You have arrived. Do not adjust your monitor. Make sure your tinfoil hat is shiny. Lock your doors. If you're standing, sit down. If you're sitting, lie down. If you're driving, please pull over. Swipe and share. Curse and comment. Open debate. Trolls welcome. Resist or mega. Left or right. Darkness or light. Flight or fight. Political turmoil. Innuendo. Lies. Deception. Rhetoric. Fake news. AI. Extremism. Lucifer. And laughs. Welcome to. The. Daily. Boogie. Good evening. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's good to see you. 2019, baby. Welcome aboard. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to 2019. It's, a, it's our first. It's our first time getting loose, and I feel good. I feel limber. I feel limber. I feel like I've worked a 36-hour shift in a hospital. And, you know, there's people screaming. There's blood all over the floor. Ambulances coming in and out. Crazy noises. Pregnant women sitting in the waiting room, unable to get service because they ain't got no healthcare and all of that stuff. And, you know, when you get home after that, you wake up again, limber, ready to rock and roll. What an absolute pleasure to see you all. I see Anne was in the chat. Anne said, wow, so many up this late. You'd be surprised, Anne. There, there is a whole world. There is a seedy underbelly that goes on. This is, this is specifically why I go on at this time. <laughs> The late night crowd is the best crowd. If you are part of the late night crowd, you make sure to explain to any naysayers. Yeah. Describe the benefits of being part of the late night crowd. I've got some stories here that are going to blow your hair back, my man. <laughs> actually, actually got this purely coincidental. I know Anne is from Florida. We've got two from Florida. What the hell is going on in Florida? What the hell is wrong with the Floridians? Is there too much fluoride in the Floridian water or something? I don't get it. But Florida is going a little wacky. Hello, everyone. Cherie, Joe, Franklin, good to see you. Angie, Kate. Autumn, Kansas. What a lovely thought. Kansas in autumn. Poppy Lane, good to see you. Vicious, hello there. Dean, David, sin-soaked. Look at this. Birds, Cynthia, Tracy and AK, the General Eaton, too many to name, Sandra, Stefan Sears, the Lady Fritzer, Kim Boyd, Stace, if I'm missing anyone, I apologise, Crack the Mirror, the owner and CEO of TAVshow.com, ladies and gentlemen, James R. has graced us in the chat. Thank you for joining us, Your Excellency. To what do we owe the pleasure? 
So I, th- I hope you've had a lovely week. I certainly have. Uh, by the way, if you're not aware, there is a daily podcast. If you'd like to get hold of that podcast, just head to iTunes or Podbean, look for The Daily Boogie. The last two shows um, people have really enjoyed, we broke down the speeches, the respective speeches of Donald Trump and the dynamic duo, otherwise known as Chuck Pelosi. Uh, Chuck Pel- Maybe we'll just call him Chuck Pelosi now. <laughs> Nancy Schumer got up and made a speech as well a response speech and we dissected them. We did an, you know, an analytical couple of podcasts diving deep into the use of language, why certain words are used at certain times, how inference is created and then, you know, injected into the subconscious of the audience and what the speech writer and the person delivering the speech are trying to achieve by using these methods and these techniques. And it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing that stuff. So if you're interested in stuff like that, do head over to iTunes or Podbean and look for The Daily Boogie. If you want to become a subscriber, just hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And if you'd like to become a supporter, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. But that's enough plugs for now. I do have a story for later on in the night, you know, probably around 2am. You know how they say nothing good happens after 2am? Today, we are going to shatter that myth as I bring to you a story that is hot off the press of the first robot brothel in Europe. I can't wait to sink my teeth into that one. I'm sure sure you'll enjoy it. Because we've done a lot about, you know, the robot sex revolution in the past, but up until now we've always treated it as kind of a joke. But, you know, God bless capitalism. Someone has found a niche. Someone has found a market. And, you know, coming coming to a town near you, robot brothels. That should be interesting. Got a lot of other stuff to get through as well. Like I said, we'll touch on some Floridian news. We can talk shutdown if you want. I I do try to keep Thursday night a little bit light, but I do like to open up with, you know, some semi-serious stuff. In regards to the shutdown, let me put it this way. What what you are seeing is like an extremely slow motion game of chicken. You know, in the action movies where everything is high-paced, there's you can see the veins popping on the guy's forehead. The sweat is pouring down their face. You can see them crunching through the gears. And it goes from one car to the next. One guy's looking disheveled. The other guy is, like, just cool as sunglasses, staring straight ahead. But it all happens relatively quickly. And then at the end, one of them steer out of the way. Well, this is like that, except it's happening really, 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 really slowly. (laughs) Donald Trump obviously wants the Democrats to yield, to fund his wall. And it's not even the wall. See, it's so nuanced. If you haven't listened to the last two podcasts, then a lot of this stuff, it's going to sound like I'm being really shallow, but we've spent probably two hours on this over the last two days, and I don't want to go another two hours. So, you know, you'll have to forgive me for sounding shallow, but the Democrats, they can't, they can't give Donald Trump what he wants. They are framing it as just a wall, but of course it's not just a wall, is it? It's so much more than that. And in their response speech, uh, speech they even said, well, we can, we can do things like have these uh, fantastic X-ray cameras on the border. You know, we've got this brand new technology. 
where we can see inside the trucks. Number one, I'm, I'm like, what? What? What is that a good thing now? Like, if if you thought X-rays at the airport were bad, wait wait until you know Border Patrol is just looking through metal into the back seat of your car. Holy cow! I, I I bet you didn't. I bet you didn't guess that we'd all be advocating for that five years after X-rays at the airports, did you? But yet here we are, right? But putting that to one side, we've got all this fantastic technology. We don't need a wall. The wall is ineffective. It's expensive and it's ineffective. This is the Democrat speaking. But then in the very next sentence, Nancy Pelosi says, this is a manufactured crisis. And I'm like, beautiful. Beautiful. If it's a manufactured crisis, then we don't need all that shit at the border now, do we? Like that fancy technology you just spoke about that you would rather have instead of a wall. Look, we can get the x-rays, we can get the fantastic cameras, we can, we, can, you know, we can count the pimples on somebody's face when they walk over the border with our drones. So really, we don't need a wall because it's not a real crisis. So it's very difficult to sell. But of course, the Democrats, they don't want to be seen to be giving Trump anything. Uh, arguably, they would think that, you know, a lot of their support in the midterms was because of this stance. I would say it's probably more nuanced than that, but they've gotten this far, right? So they can't go back. And so it's very difficult. You know, I always think in these kinds of situations, you need to give your opposition a trapdoor. Do you know what I mean? You need to give your opposition a way to get out without losing too much face. Because if you can't provide your opposition with that trapdoor, then the only answer is escalation. That's the only option that they have. So I just wonder if there is a trapdoor here. And James has spoken about it. What's it going to take? Could the Democrats come back and say, you know what, let's give him two and a half billion. Like, it doesn't even matter how much they give him. It doesn't. He can spend as much money as he wants, effectively. But they might say, okay, let's give him half and then we'll open the government. And then they can maybe sell that to their supporters as, we didn't fund the whole wall. No, what we funded was specific studies into the long-term viability and effectiveness of the wall in certain areas, and they'll spin it that way. And then when they see the steel going up, then they can go back to the press and say, oh, no, 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 see, see? See, he's lying. He's building a wall. The longer that there is no wall, the Democrats at the top, they aren't stupid. They might appear stupid and wooden and, you know, <laughs> as of that that horrendous video, which I'm not going to talk about too much because it's been memed to death, they might look like characters from like a 1970s horror movie, right? But they're not stupid. They know the longer that there is no wall the more chance they have, at least in theory, of chipping away support from Donald Trump. You had a lot of, remember when he was about to sign that spending bill without wall money, you had a lot of, you know, you would you say influences? And now people will say, well, I don't watch that person. I don't care what that person says. That's all well and good. But arguably the reason that they are quote unquote influences is because a lot of people do. And so you had a number of these people, you know, go public and say, that's it, I'm off the Trump train in in some cases for the seventh or eighth time. 
<laughs> they were off the Trump train again. They just keep a permanent cart running behind the Trump train that has a trampoline on it facing like at a 45 degree angle back into the back of the train. So these people can just jump off the Trump train, hit the trampoline pad, and then bounce straight back into the train. So for the seventh or eighth time, they did that again. But the Democrats would have taken notice of this. You know, that's why they use that attack point. Oh, well, Donald Trump is Donald Trump is folding to pressure on Fox News. You know, the Ann Coulters, these types getting out there and saying, well, it's all over for Donald Trump. But arguably, if you're being objective about it, if the wall isn't at least a long way to being constructed by 2020, who here can honestly say hand on heart that they are confident, supremely confident that Donald Trump gets in again? And, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm certainly not making that. If, if, if the wall isn't a long way to being completed by 2020, like, you know, obviously... It can't be some. It can't be this thing like, oh, we have, we know that somebody is down there building it. It has to be in your face, front page, bang, so everybody can see it. So there's no mistaking it. There's no innuendo, right? If that's not the case, come 2020, I think it's going to be very difficult for Donald Trump to retain a lot of support. And the, the you know the Democrats will just appeal further left. They'll say he hasn't gone far enough in areas in the economy and whatnot. We need to spend more. And a lot of people will jump off that train and the trampoline pad at the back of the train will no longer be there and they'll just splat onto the rails. And I think he knows that because I don't think he's stupid either. So I think he understands that reality all too well, which probably in large part explains what we see here today so this could be it like this could be this could be the make or break time for your president and obviously a lot of people are trying to make him as are a lot of people trying to break him but we'll have to wait and see now see sandra says disagree economy and low gas the economy i i was listening to uh chris mack speak with uh closer last night i think it was and Chris Mack was saying, you know what, but the economy was good at the midterms. And, you know, we had record low unemployment. The The stock market was going great. Investment, private investment was up through the roof. You know, I think in a, in a lot of ways, those historical markers that we used to use are becoming less relevant, unfortunately, much as I'd like it not to be the case. I think in this day and age, and probably more so as we progress into the future. I mean, if you've got somebody who thinks unemployment is low because everybody's working two jobs that gets elected to Congress, can you sit there with a straight face and tell me that the economy is important to voters, right? Arguably, a large number of voters don't even understand what an economy is, let alone vote for one. This much should be obvious by now as we become increasingly vapid and afflicted with short memory, preoccupied with popularity in the most vacuous, shallow possible way, these discussions that we used to have about, you know, a booming economy and what that means and 
economic growth, interest rates, I think you'll find they'll become less and less relevant. And instead, what we'll be preoccupied with when it comes to political discussion is, oh, did you see? Did, did you see our local congressman the other day on Instagram? She was making roast beef. I wouldn't use that much pepper. Can you really trust somebody who uses that much pepper with roast beef? I know I can't, right? Well, something equally stupid. And I fear that might be the case in the future. I suspect it will be. But rather than, you know, rock back and forward and bite my nails and cry for what once was, I'll be doing my absolute best to make sure that I throw my full support behind candidates who use as much pepper on roast beef as they bloody well want to. Because that's how I roll. So thanks for joining us. We've got lots to get through. It's going to be one hell of a show, but let's kick it off with the, the way we like to with this. Now you face the Shredder. It's time for the Shredder. Let's get this show on the road. Just had to take a quick sip. All right. Are you ready? Girls, this one goes out to you. Are you ready for to throw your weight behind the latest equality movement? From one of my personal favorite salon, women stop shaving for Janu Harry. Ah, did you see, do you see what they did there? Do you see what they did there? That, that's what six years of gender studies in college will get you folks. Expensive college, I might add. And hopefully free one day, as long as the roast beef eaters don't take us over first. Women stop shaving for January hairy and the backlash is all too predictable. I think these people are incredibly intelligent. They knew that they were going to make a social media campaign posting pictures of themselves as women with hairy armpits. And they predicted a backlash. Oh, bravo. <laughs> A social media experiment inspires women. (laughs) I I see a lot of inspiration in the chat. (laughs) A social media experiment inspires women to keep it on, even if Piers Morgan doesn't approve. (laughs) Once, Once upon a time, feminists were inspired to burn bras. I don't remember anybody complaining about that. I think that was a net positive for the world, for men and women, don't you? <laughs> this, on the other hand, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, if we can take a bit of the profit out of the razor blade tycoons of the world, then I might be for it. I'm not sure. Shortly before the holidays, a friend of mine proudly texted a photo of one of the gifts she was giving her pre adolescent daughter her very first razor and a can of shaving cream. Now, see, (laughs) my first thought when reading that was not, oh, my God, I need to stop shaving my armpits. My first thought when I saw that this woman's friend was giving her daughter for Christmas a can of shaving cream and a razor blade, I thought, wow, what a shitty (laughs) mum. She's done that gas station present pickup. You know where you forget to buy presents and the only thing that's open on Christmas morning is the gas station? It's like, here, I bought you some shaving cream. Oh, thanks, Mum. 
she really cares about me growing. She might want to hold off on teaching her to use them till February, though. Welcome to Harry. The new season was designated in early December when University of Exeter drama student Laura Jackson took to Instagram to propose a, a quote, experiment for women to come together, encourage one another, and be sponsored to grow out of our body hair, grow out our body hair for the month of January. Did the women come together? They probably didn't stand too close together, though, because of the smell, I imagine. Might have got a little bit on the nose. A little bit stanky. And like Movember's charitable incentive, Janu Harry was launched to raise awareness and funds for the UK arts and education organisation, Body Gossip. Well, there you have it. I no longer care about the arts, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. I'm done. I'm out. Now that, now that the first month of the year is here, Jackson's campaign has taken off. Though Body Gossip still has to meet its fundraising goal. <laughs> like you, you keep struggling. You hairy-pitted her, uh, heroines keeps reaching for that goal. But don't raise your arm too high and make sure you're only wearing a black shirt underneath. Okay? You reach for the stars within reason. You know, I don't want you hairing up the place. The movement has been covered by Today, People and The Guardian, Ooh. which asked, why is it always about women's armpits and not nipple hair? Now, I can't say it's a good question or not because it's not anything I've ever thought of. Apparently to The Guardian, it's always about nipple hair. Why is it always about women's armpits and not nipple hair? I didn't know it was always about women's armpits. Did you? Now you do. Welcome to the 21st century. On social media, women have also been sharing their photos and stories of why they're taking a break from taking it off. A story. You've got a story to go along with. (laughs) I can't wait to share my story. It's like crossing the Rubicon. Yep. Let me... Settle down, kids. Gather around, children, and I'll tell you the story of how I let my pits grow out for a month back in 2019. We're not sending the kids to bed early. Time to brew some coffee. I'm satisfied with all my hair because the hairs are normal. Peace out, wrote one woman, while Instagram model Fenella Fox shared her story of going two years without shaving and how she's called disgusting, unattractive, and dirty on a daily basis. Who would have thunk it? It is very liberating, isn't it, Clay? Clay in the chat says, so liberating. It's, it's also very progressive. That's the main game here. If we can accelerate uh, progressivism beyond the use, the need for clean skin and you know smooth skin on females, then I'm all for it. True to Fox's experience, the experiment has attracted the inevitable trolls. Ew wrote one gentleman on Instagram. That's it. <laughs> one guy wrote you. The inevitable trolls. See, that's the insidious part about all this. They want it to be a social awareness campaign. They want it to be a public campaign, right? It is in the it is literally designed for Instagram. They want as many people to see it as possible. But if anybody should say anything that isn't glowingly approving of it, then that person is instantaneously a troll. 
and needs to be dealt with by Salon. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? This is liberation, sir. Have you got no shame? These women are heroes. Heroes, I tells you. If that's the case, you don't want to shave your skin, then I'll refuse to use toilet paper, said another guy. <laughs> Meanwhile, no less an expert on gender than aspiring chief of staff, Piers Morgan, declared, declared on Good Morning Britain this week that most men don't fancy women who don't shave. They put it in quotation marks like it's some kind of controversial statement, adding that some inside him, something inside him did die when he saw an image of Julia Roberts rocking an underarm afro. <laughs> some part of me died on the inside. <laughs> and of course, it took a random man on Twitter to decree that women not shaving is lazy and revolting. Wouldn't you just love to get a look at his grooming routine? Asked the author. Even Janu Harry poster girl herself, Laura Jackson, said on Instagram recently, my mum asked me, is it you just being lazy or are you trying to prove a point? I'm not sure she even knows. Is it laziness? Is it trying to prove a point? Is the point laziness? Now, if the point was laziness, this is something that I could actually support. I could be behind it. I would be in favour of women just being lazy. You know, it's okay. You're very lazy. You're very lazy. You don't want to shave your pits. That's fine. But don't turn it into like some kind of liberation festival when it's obvious, when it's clearly not. You know, don't try and turn it into a struggle. <laughs> it's not a struggle. You just don't want to shave your pits, which is fine. You don't have to. No one's forcing. No one's got a gun to your head. At a moment when, at least in the West, women are more outspoken and empowered than ever, body hair remains a battleground. <laughs> the battle battleground body hair. Call the commander. We've got a stray pube. You'd think it wouldn't be such a big deal. A 2017 study from market research firm Mintel found that waxing is waning among millennial women. Oh, something, another reason to hate millennials. There you go. A quarter of them now report leaving their armpits alone. 25% of millennial women don't shave their pits. It's horrifying. I don't even know if that's more horrifying than the 80% of millennial women that vote Democrat. You know what? I'd, I'd almost say, you know what? You go ahead and vote Democrat, but you make sure you take a razor to that little jungle you've got growing under there before you come over for dinner. I don't want my kids seeing that. By all means, you can, you, can, you can indoctrinate my children with, you know, Hillary Clinton gossips and stuff. That's fine. But don't bring those things around here. We don't want none of them around here. You feeling me? Again, why are you giving this airtime, Newbury Mum? Because it's fun. Because it's fun. Are you having fun? Yet the outcry of shock and horror when a woman appears in public with a follicle anywhere but her head persists. Becca Martinez appeared in 2018. Right now, you can find a gossip site with a gallery of hairy celebrity slips. Because why would a woman intentionally have hair? Another lists its favourite stars with hairy legs. <laughs> and yet another gleefully reports on celebrities who forgot to shave. This is our reality. A female with even a hint of razor stubble, celebrity or not, is likely to be going, going to be subjected to a degree of scrutiny. Yeah, but so are guys. So are guys. For example, if, if guys shave their legs, they're going to be 
subjected to a degree of scrutiny by other men. Like, hey, did you see that? That guy fucking shaves his legs. It's reversed. It's reversed in the male world. Wax your chest? Well, you've got problems. You may not fit into the pack. Like the virile lion that you are. Or at least hope to be. Three years ago, Khloe Kardashian recalled the traumatizing first time her mum took her for a facial and underarm waxing when she was 13. I was so terrified because she didn't warn me. Wait, was the waxing place like downstairs at the house? Wasn't there a car ride involved? I don't understand. She didn't warn you? We're going to Disneyland, Chloe. Yay! I have a neighbour who similarly trotted her daughters off for regular waxing when they started high school. She wears nasty woman t-shirts and quotes Betty Friedan, but it doesn't ever seem to cross her mind that hair removal is a voluntary and expensive routine. Ah, I, I see what they're getting at. I see what they're getting at. We need to make hair removal free. Make it free. Let's have free hair removal clinics at the free colleges. We'll have free people administering the hair, free hair removal at the free colleges. And when it all goes horribly wrong and you get this serious rash that goes halfway around your body, we'll send you off to the free hospital for treatment. For those of us living in regions where we spend the winter bundled up under eight layers of... I, I, I've never seen this word before. Uniqlo's attach collection. <laughs> anyway, a January resolution will likely go unnoticed by most anyway. But at their best, what social media campaigns like this do is spark the possibility of free will in both men's and women's minds. Bravo. Bravo. I couldn't agree more. Free will. Not shaving your pits. is You are exercising your free will. Absolutely. And when people turn up their nose and go, oh, my God, that's gross. How could you do that? They are also exercising their free will. Freedom wins. Freedom is the real winner here today. Ladies and gentlemen, that was... Now you face the shredder. Someone was asking, why, why do you keep talking about this article? You're just giving it, you know, you're just giving it airplay. What's the point? That's the shredder. That's what we do. That's the segment. I find a terrible article with, you know, some terrible idea and we have a laugh at it. That's okay. If you're new here, settle down. You'll, you'll be right. You'll have fun. Trust me. I did want to show you this. This, um... Oh, we better play Don's little intro clip. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for... Lemon tree, very pretty, and the lemon flowery sweet. But the fruit of the poor land is impossible to eat. Lemon tree, very pretty, and the lemon flowery sweet. But the fruit of the poor land is impossible to Time for sour lemons, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is really good. I think Don took the red pill here. Now, he takes a long time to get there. It's a very hard swallow. There was a lot of chewing. New here, I regress. That's fine. <laughs> there was a lot of chewing of this pill. You're not supposed to chew the pill. You're supposed to just slam it down. One gulp. Get it in there. But he did take a red pill at the end 
and the way he kind of wobbled through his thinking to eventually get to this red pill, which was so profound, he, he could barely get it out at the end of this clip, it was fucking amazing. I couldn't believe my ears. And like I said, it takes about eight minutes to get through there, but we're going to have a lot of fun along the way. Let's rock and roll with Sour Lemon. So new tonight, Kevin Hart is apologizing. Oh. He actually said he apologized and he said, I'm sorry. Last week, Hart appeared on Ellen, on The Ellen Show, where he talked about how he was sorry and wanted to move on from old homophobic jokes and tweets of his. Mm-hmm. He told Ellen that he had addressed these jokes in the past. Yep. But we and others couldn't find any previous apologies, just what he said that he had addressed him and uh-huh. what some saw as excuses. I see. And on Friday, I talked about how Kevin could turn the situation around and step up uh, as an ally for the people, for people in the LGBT community. Now, see... Before we get too far into this, you have to understand what ally means to an activist. An ally is a very specific term in activist language. Because you see, if you offend a particular group, if, if you say something offensive, if you victimise people, if you marginalise people, it's no longer good enough to just apologise. You have to actually become an active advocate for what that group says or wants that's the way this works because if you just apologize well it's like well i don't know if i can believe him or not you know and this is this is the process that uh don is working through here and you'll see you'll see it unfold right before your eyes when he gets to the, the the crowning moment at the end when the light shines down on him and he goes oh my god i now i get it now it makes sense it's really quite something to see so it's not enough to just apologize. If if you say if you, you know, if you become if you victimize somebody, if you become an enemy, either short term or long term, apologizing doesn't get the job done. You have to then become uh, you know, a warrior for the cause in order to, you know, throw yourself upon the mercy of the court, so to speak, right? So let's carry on with Don. Many of us really need to keep the conversation going. It's life or death. And someone like Kevin Hart with one of the biggest megaphones in the world can be a leader, the ultimate change agent. Isn't that pressure? I mean, again, sometimes you have to take a step back. Two hours before this, they were criticizing him as homophobic and offensive and leading to the deaths of young gay people. Two hours later, he could become the ultimate leader. <laughs> he could lead the gays to a new dawn. I mean, it's slightly insane, is it not? I mean, why, why would you want the guy who you were accusing of being homophobic just hours before leading you anyway? Why do you need allies? Why do you need non-gay people speaking on your behalf just because they're celebrities or something? or because they said something that offended gay people before or something, right? It's because every single time he can get up there and make the little speech, I, you know, a long time ago I said the wrong thing, and now I know that it's wrong, and now it's my duty. I have taken it upon myself at the request of Don Lemon to become a champion for the cause. I am taking it upon myself to become your hero. I will have sex with all the women so you don't have to. 
right? It's it's just odd. But let's carry on. He, like I said, he works his way through it. He can help change homophobia in the black community. Something Kevin's old Twitter jokes addressed, but in the wrong way. Uh. So, and before I go on with any of this, you know, this is not coming. I'm not coming for Kevin. No, no, of course okay? not. Okay? No. This is just, we're trying to learn and have a dialogue and a conversation here because... Okay, we're trying to learn and have a dialogue and have a conversation here. You could become an ally for the LGBT community. You could become a champion for the ages. But we're just talking. We're just talking. No pressure, bro. No pressure. When talking about this story on this program, I asked Kevin to reach out to me. And guess what? Over the weekend, he did. Good for him. He called me. We spoke at length. We spoke for over an hour. And then we talked after that. And we texted or whatever. But it was mostly an off-the-record conversation because I wanted him to be honest with me. And I just, I just wanted us to just to talk to each other and to listen. So as a journalist, journalist, I have to abide by that, but I can't say specific. Did Don Lemon just say he's a journalist? No, Don, you're a talk show host. You're a, you're a talk show host. You're not a journalist. Please learn the difference. Specifically what we talked about, but, but I can speak in some generalities. That was our agreement. Okay? So I'm not going to tell you specifically exactly okay. what he said. Okay. But I can tell you about the overall tone of the conversation and some of the issues that we covered. Okay? Okay. And that, again, that was our agreement. So he knows that I'm going to talk about this. So I'm not going to make excuses for Kevin, but I just want to explain to you where he is coming from. Like I said, by the end of this clip, Don has a revelation and you can see it on his face that he comes to this revelation all on his own. He logically worked through it all on his own and he got there in the end. It is breathtaking. You have to see this. And what he said tonight on his serious XM show will help me do that. Listen. Let's go. I understand why people are hurt. I understand what these words mean. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said it again when I stepped down. I, I apologize. I wrote it. I said it. You must continue right? to apologize until people are satisfied and they will never be satisfied. That I said to Now you must become an activist. Gay individuals. This is wrong now. Because now we're in a space where I'm around people of the LGBTQ community, and I'm now aware of how these words make them feel and why they say that shit hurt because of what I've been through. So then we say, hey, man, as a group, let's erase this shit. We don't talk like this no more. Hey, let's not do this. We don't, we don't post shit on social media. And more importantly, within my comedy act, I'm going to make sure that I don't do anything else offensive. Did you hear that? Within my comedy act, I'm going to make sure that I don't do anything else offensive. Now, you don't have to be offensive to be funny. Like, look at Jerry Seinfeld, for example, one of the funniest men who's ever lived. Doesn't swear. You know, he's not offensive really in any way. But that's a talent. That's, that's proper talent. You know, I'm sure Kevin Hart is, you know, a pretty good comedian. But is he good enough to say, I'm not going to be offensive anymore in my routine? That's, that's putting your balls out there, man. That is, that is setting a high bar. Is Kevin Hart going to start coming out going, did you ever notice people at the airport, they shuffle around too quick, you know? Did you ever notice how there's so much cereal? <laughs> I don't know if it's going to work for Kevin. I mean, he couldn't even stop swearing in this one fucking interview on the radio. <laughs> he's already offending people, telling people how he's not going to be offensive, but let's carry on. Look, you may not like the way he said it, or whatever, but he said it there. Okay. He did say... I'm sorry, I apologize, we shouldn't be doing this. Okay. He says that he understands why his words hurt 
and what they mean. I get it. Look, I get it. Yep. Many people grow up in situations where they might not come in contact. See, I think Don has been quite genuine here, and it's rare to see. But let's carry on. With someone you got to give him credit. Openly part of the LGBT community. But trust me, you come in contact with people who are gay, they just don't tell you. And part of the reason they don't is because they fear the backlash and what people, the stigma and what people will yeah, think that, of them or say about might them. might be fair enough. Or people grow up hearing that it is wrong or sinful to be gay or transgender. And sometimes it is, it's a tough lesson. Sure. But a lot of people learn that what you can and cannot say about someone uh, in the, uh, uh, who is uh, LGBT, uh, that it uh, can be... Uh, uh, Don, Don, see how this, see how quickly this issue drifts. Like, I'm sure there are a lot of young gay people who are afraid of saying that they're gay because of the backlash or because of the conversations that they'll have to have. That makes total sense to me. And I'm sure that there are words out there that young gay people do not like hearing because it offends them. I'm also sure that's true. No one's denying that. But then, ladies and gentlemen, it goes into, and then we learn what we can and can't say. And that's like, that's when I go, what? I'm sorry, what? What? What do you, what do you mean, learn what we can and can't say? Right? That's when it starts to go a little too far. But it's just so casual. What do you mean, can or can't say? Maybe we should explore that concept a little more. But let's carry on with Don. He's doing his, he's actually doing pretty well. Let's go. Hurtful. I got to be honest. If Kevin means what he says, what he said on that radio show right there, then he is learning that lesson. (laughs) (laughs) You see, because... If he means what he's, if he meant the apology. So if you apologize, that's not necessarily good enough. Like we said before, you have to apologize and then become an activist. And then maybe 20 or 30 years from now, people will still bring up the hurtful, offensive thing that you said, but you're going to make up for it. Kind of like Paul in the Bible, you know, who killed all the, all the Christians and then became a really good Christian to make it up to God. It's like, yeah, sure, I said fag on Twitter like 25 years ago, but I'm doing my absolute best to make everybody feel welcome and inclusive now, right? Right? Come on, come on! Don't send me to hell. So the same thing happens here. Like, oh, well, he, if he means what he said, then, and it, it, I, I'm, you know, like you, I'm expecting to hear, then fine, then he's sorry. But no, you don't even get that far. If he means what he says, then he's learning his lesson. Like, there's more education to go. There's more progress to be made. <laughs> there, you, have to, you have more learning to undertake, my homophobic friend. We, we've, only, we've only just begun. In that commentary, he said, he's not homophobic. This is what I wanted to get across to Kevin. Okay, even in our conversations, that there there are levels levels to homophobia, just like there are levels to racism. You can you can be um, you don't always have to be the starkest example of what it means. Okay, so there's levels to homophobia, just like there's levels to racism. I thought this was an interesting side note. This isn't even the point of the clip, but this is just a side note. So there's levels to homophobia, just like there's levels to racism. Okay, so carry on means to be racist or Remember what it means that. to be homophobic. Are you, um, you can be, you don't have to be homophobic 
to make homophobic statements. Okay. Right? Right. Even as a gay person. Right. I have to check my own wow. level or my own internal homophobia symptoms. Can, can you imagine how confusing this is for young people learning this stuff? Okay, so you don't have to be homophobic to say homophobic things. There are levels of homophobia, just like there are levels of racism. Even me, as a gay man, I have to check my own homophobia. You know, I have to learn what I can and can't say. I have to check my homophobia. What the hell is going on? Like, imagine how excruciating it must How many eggshells, how many socks are soiled with eggshells now of people walking around? Are you able to say anything without, you know, first premeditating every single possible scenario where somebody somewhere may get offended by it? Yeah, it, 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 it's it's a regulation of human interaction. We are now regulating how human beings relate to each other, how they speak to each other. Like, why even why say anything? Why say anything anymore? Why not just why say why why go through the the torment? If you meet someone for the first time now, you can't you can't safely say whether they're a man or a woman or something else. You can have a microaggression by asking them something like "Where are you from?" That can be racist. What? Why even talk anymore? Unless you know the person fully, you know, you've known them for twenty years. Maybe that's the only like everybody should just walk around like automatons, not interacting with each other at all. Maybe that's the best way to go about it. I'm not sure, but let's carry on. What I think about people, quite, I'm just, I'm Here we go. anything honest and real. Sometimes with people who are, I remember when I was coming out, people who are effeminate. Oh. Um, we had to, we See, had- Don used to have bad views. He's being honest. Don used to have homophobic views about gays who were more effeminate than him. Like the weak-wristed ones, I assume, he's talking about there. But what I found interesting was, okay, so if... Gay people can be homophobic. Does that, and he said, there are levels of homophobia just like there's levels of racism. Is this Don Lemon now explaining that black people can be racist? Right? <laughs> is, this, is this Don Lemon now telling the world that, yes, indeed, black people can be racist? Gay people can be homophobic because there's levels of homophobia just like there is levels of racism. Therefore, doesn't it qualify that black people can be racist now? Ooh, damn it. Damn it. I didn't, I didn't want to let that one out of the bag. Damn it. Let's carry on. At a learning curve when it, came, when it comes to, still do, when it comes to still members do. of the transgender community. A learning curve. My transgender brothers and sisters. And that community said, you need to check your own internal homophobia. And I did. Right. And they were right. They were right. I was so homophobic. As a gay person there, you can be part of something. Jokes or tweets. Here we go. Well, you know, that is you know. a different thing. So Why? Sometimes a joke is just a joke. But Now, see, <laughs> sometimes a joke is just a joke. But who decides, Don? You can see the, can you see the cogs in his brain are starting to turn? Did you see how he struggled there? 
you know, jokes and tweets. He wanted to say that this is unacceptable, that this is offensive, that people are hurt by these tweets and these words. But then he remembers all of the times where he made gay jokes and he's gay and he had to check his internal homophobia. Do you see what's happening here? It's happening, ladies and gentlemen. The sun is rising and shining on Don Lemon. He's twigging. He's getting it. Oh, and the jokes, well, I guess sometimes they're just jokes. Whoa, whoa, that's a big qualifier out there, bro. Sometimes jokes are just jokes. Great. Who decides? Who decides? That's what we've been saying all along, Don. The problem is not that people find things offensive, even though people finding things offensive may be a problem. The problem is other people deciding what can and can't be said and what qualifies as a joke and what does not. That's the problem we have. We don't hate you. We don't hate your brothers and sisters. We don't hate anybody. I'm not afraid of you. I have no phobia. I want you to live a long and happy life. I will share a cocktail with you on the beach, preferably with small umbrellas, and I will even laugh at your Donald Trump jokes because I love comedy. That's all well and good. Because sometimes a joke is just a joke, right? Right? You agree. Let's carry on. Your own internal homophobia, and I did. And they were right. Listen to this again. So even as a gay person there, you can be part of something. Okay. Jokes or tweets? Uh, well. Well. Um, you know, you know, that is a different thing. It's so a different thing. A joke is just a joke. Oh, sometimes a joke said, is a joke, but it's a different thing. Last week. They can also be harmful. Okay. <laughs> so, so later on in this show, Kevin talked. As I said last week, they can be harmful and dangerous. Because last week, jokes were harmful and dangerous. But this week, jokes can be jokes. About my challenge. Are you starting to get a clear understanding of why children are confused? Look at what we're, look at what we're, look at what we're presenting the children as like reasonable and progress. This is progressive. Sometimes jokes are jokes. Sometimes jokes aren't jokes. Sometimes things are offensive. Even if you're gay, you can be homophobic. What the fuck am I doing here? Like, what? What is up? What is down? Like, what can I? What can I say? And then we go. Well, the children seem a little confused. Yeah, you wonder why, don't you? <laughs> For him to become an ally. Listen to this. Become an ally. I don't <laughs> like the forcing. I don't like 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 Don Lemon like goes Don Lemon goes <laughs> yeah. on CNN and he's like you can fix this become an ally you can fix that's this not my, that's not my that's not my life right. dream Kevin Hart apologizes for his remarks that hurt members of the LGBTQ community got to be so careful I apologize I'm now moving on from this because I'm just hoping that the apology is accepted. If it's chosen not to be accepted, I can't control that. If your fight is for equality, then you need to understand that change is what helps that. You can't get what you want without understanding and accepting the change. Okay, here we okay, go. There's a lot there, and I, I don't have that much show left. Oh, so, no, but, what a tragedy. So I'll just say that um, he, he is sorry, he says. 
He said, but it is not his dream. See, you can't, you can't even, you can't even get me a culpa. He is sorry. He says, like, (laughs) (laughs) see, why not? You might endear yourself to more people if you just say he's he's sorry. Why can't you say that? But you have to slip in at the end there, don't you? You just have to get that extra little comment in, don't you? He's sorry, he says. As if to say, well, he's not fucking sorry. I don't care. Right? To be an ally for the LGBT community. Right. Now, you can take that however you want. You can be upset by it. You, whatever, however you want to feel. But that is his right. Whether I like it or not, whether you like it or not, that is his right. If he doesn't want to... Now, now see, see, now we're starting to get into rights. That's his right. He doesn't have to be an ally for the LGBT community. You're damn right he doesn't. Well done, Don. He doesn't have to be an ally for your team, so to speak. And I've got nothing against your team. But you can't go around, you know, during the season recruiting other players, mate. (laughs) At least wait till the end of season to sign new contracts, all right? But he's starting to figure it out, that that's his right, okay? Now watch where it goes next. Watch where it goes. Give him a chance. He gets there. Be an ally. If he doesn't want to be a spokesperson for the gay community, he does not have to do that. It's his choice as America, as an American, a person with agency. He can do that. It's happening. You can feel about it however you want. Yes, I can. So, listen, there's been a lot of blowback. Here we go. Kevin backed out of hosting the Oscars. And on some level, you can understand for him that it may feel like he's under attack, right? Because he's in the middle of it. You can understand for him, it may feel like he's under attack because he's in the middle of it. Okay. Take note. But I will tell you, for me, as I relate to him. From me. I can talk about my part. He's not a victim. Ah. Now, do you see the massive pothole that Don Lemon just jumped in, jumped into here? So I can understand. Is this the way we have to frame it now? So when, you know, do you remember that person that was screaming in the shop who said, I'm, you know, don't call me sir, I'm clearly a woman? Is that the way we can frame it? By saying, I can understand how you feel like a victim because you're in the middle of it, but from my perspective, you're not a victim. And that's okay. Because everybody knows, let's be honest here, that hasn't been okay up until this point, has it? Because if you don't recognize the victim, if you don't, you know, if you don't uh, relate to the victim, if you don't classify somebody as a victim when they demand it, then you are, you know, you are essentially a perpetrator at that point. You are perpetrating more harm on that person because you don't treat them as a victim. So now Don has come to the realization that people have rights. And even though somebody thinks that they're a victim, he doesn't have to. Don Lemon doesn't have to. It gets better. Let's go. So listen to what he's saying there. He wants to be accepted. He wants us to accept him. He wants to be embraced on his own merits. Here we go. Isn't that what the LGBT community wants? Sure. The same thing that they were asking for to be embraced on yep. their own merits. Do you see this? And not be stereotyped and stigmatized. So maybe here we right, go. And then I'll branch an effort to understand, right? Remember we want to talk and try to 
understand. Does it mean that we're making excuses? It just means that we're allowing people. Come to on, spit it out, Don. Spit it out. So maybe he now knows just a little bit, uh, just a little bit more. Okay. Of what that feels like. Okay, sure. Even if it's misguided, or however you feel about it, okay. now he knows a little bit what that feels like. Don is doing his absolute best to not become an enemy of the LGBT community that he wants Kevin Hart to be a champion of. That's why he's treading so lightly. That's why he's placing his words so carefully. That's why he's putting in qualifiers at the end of every sentence. But wait, there's more. The LGBT community, which I am a part of, can and should hold people with large megaphones to account. Okay. Right? You can do we that. Should be, we, should, we should do that. Sure. But if we don't want to be bullied, we can't be bullies. Oh! Woo! Did you hear that? <laughs> that moment, that moment when it drops, that moment when the pill drops down the back of the throat and kicks in like a bastard. Howdy duty time. Do you want to hear it one more time? Do you want do you see how he worked his way through it? He logically got there in the end, didn't he? I'm so fucking proud of Don Lemon. I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you how proud of him I am. That he got there. Listen one more time. Let's listen to it one more time. He worked his way through it. He started talking about rights. He started saying, you know, he has a right to view it that way. I have a right not to see him as a victim. Then it started to twig. Then the snowball started rolling down the hill and gathering more snow, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger until it got down the bottom of the hill and wiped out the whole fucking town. Even if it's misguided, or however you feel about it, now he knows a little bit what that feels like. The LGBT community, which I am a part of, can and should hold people with large megaphones to account. Right? We should be we should we should do that. But if we don't want to be bullied, we can't be bullies. Wow. I'm so happy for Don. Everybody cheers to Don Lemon. This is a fucking beautiful moment. I can't believe we got here, finally, after all these years. It's a celebration. I'm celebrating your gayness, and I'm celebrating the fact that you can no longer bully anybody because you can't be bullies. Celebrate good times. Come on. Bring it. Yeah, bring your good times and your laughter too, Don. You're fighting again. So hold it to account, call them out, but you don't want to bully people. We don't want to bully people. We don't want to bully people. Oh, man. Come together. Yeah, come together, baby. Put an end to the bullying. Everyone around the world, come on. Mm-hmm. 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 
Ah, oh, Don Lemon. You broke my heart and then mended it all in one sentence. I can't believe it. So that's just, I, listen, I may get a lot of blowback for that, but I'm just being honest. Yeah. It's important for, <laughs> you know, tomorrow it's going to be breaking news. Don Lemon hated by the LGBT community. If he apologizes and becomes an ally, he could become a new leader. <laughs> Wouldn't you love to see it? Ladies and gentlemen, that was a profound edition of... Lemon tree, very pretty, and a lemon flowery sweet. But the fruit of the poor is impossible to eat. Lemon tree, very pretty, and a lemon flowery sweet. But the fruit of the poor is impossible to eat. Absolutely wonderful stuff. Just while we're on that roll, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. I've got another one here for you. I've got another Mia Culpa here, another CNN. Ladies and Jones, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, Van Jones praises Donald Trump. This is history. Let's rock and let's keep the good times rolling, baby. More breaking news tonight, and it's practically the definition of news that it when the unexpected happens. The Senate tonight taking bipartisan action on something substantial, overwhelmingly passing a major prison reform bill. The First Step Act eases federal sentencing for nonviolent offenders, aims to reduce repeat offending, and expands early release programs. The vote was 87 to 12. All the votes against the bill were by Republicans, but many Republicans voted for it. Those who voted against complained the reforms were too lenient and could allow dangerous criminals back into society prematurely. The bill was backed by the White House and negotiated with the help of Jared Kushner, President Trump's son-in-law and senior advisor. The House is expected to take up the bill on Thursday. Okay. How this is a few weeks ago. This is, by the way, one of your partners in working on this yes. was Jared Kushner. Jared. By the way, Van Jones, uh, youth communist. He was part of a communist revolutionary group, and he was Barack Obama's green energy czar. Because remember, Barack Obama with all the czars. So, you know, he's, he's not uh, one to align himself with conservatism, put it that way. Whose father went to prison and who, who fought on this as hard as that. This is history. This is history. Right now you're witnessing this is history. history on the floor of the U.S. Senate. Where there's a Mr. Christmas Perdue. miracle underway. Christmas for miracle. First time in a generation, Republicans and Democrats mm-hmm. are arm in arm tonight saying, we are sending too many people to prison. They're coming out bitter and not better. We want to make a tremendous difference. I want to say... Uh, Hakeem Jeffries uh, on the left, Jared Kushner and Donald Trump on the right have brought together a coalition like I've never seen. You've got Donald Trump on the right has brought a coalition together like I've never seen. Ladies and gentlemen, Van Jones, CNN, what the hell is going on here? A celebration to last throughout the years. I thought, remember, Donald Trump can only be divisive. The only thing that Donald Trump can do is divide people, especially black people. Especially black people. But Donald Trump is the most divisive, horrible, evil president that's ever been. Ladies and gentlemen, CNN, Van Jones, a Christmas miracle. Donald Trump has brought people together. I want to say uh, Hakeem Jeffries uh, on the left, Jared Kushner and Donald Trump on the right have brought together a coalition like I've never seen. You've got... Li- Celebrate your party with you. Come on now. Celebrate your good times and your laughter too. We gon' celebrate your party with you. Come on now. Celebrate your good times and your laughter too. We gon' celebrate and have a good time. 
on the same page with Nancy Pelosi, Cory Booker, uh, uh, the ACLU, Cut 50. Something as beautiful has happened. And it's not that you have to see it to believe it. You have to believe it to see it. It's happening right now. People coming together in America to help the people who have nothing. It's not that you have to see it to believe it. You have to believe it to see it. Wow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what planet are we on? <clears throat> Holy shit. Don Lemon comes out and says that everybody has rights and, you know, you don't have to view somebody as a victim and that's your right. And, you know, it's it's not right for the LGBT lobby to bully people into submission. He says we shouldn't be doing that. And then Van Jones comes out and says it's a Christmas miracle. Donald Trump has brought people together. <laughs> what, oh, I'm looking, where's the hidden camera? Are we getting punked right now? I, I keep expecting Ashton Kutcher to jump out of the, the back of the set of CNN and go, ah, punk y'all. Uh, you didn't even see that one. Where's Dax? Has anybody seen Dax? Somebody tell me the whereabouts of Dax, please. Is Dax dressed up as Van Jones? Holy shit. Christmas miracle. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You got to give credit where it's due. See, I don't think Van Jones is... I think Van Jones is very intelligent. And Van Jones has praised Donald Trump a couple of times in the past. He praised Donald Trump. Do you remember when Donald Trump gave that address to Congress? Do you remember? And he spoke... Um, is it... Yeah, he spoke about the widow, the war widow. You know, got her to stand up. And he said, you know, he was a president tonight. If he can do that, he's going to win another term. Like, if, if he can do that next time, he's going to win another term. So he's not stupid enough to just be against Trump for the sake of it. He will actually say just enough to present as reasonable. And that's why I think he's very intelligent. Here's one for you. This is a bit wonky, so you'll have to bear with me. This was shared by the lovely Sherry Varsel. Donald Trump was just handed a chance to supercharge voter suppression in 2020. In a short, unpublished opinion so far garnering only slight media attention. Hang on, I need my background. There we go. The United States Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit decided on Monday that it may be one of the most consequential cases poised to affect the 2020 elections. The circuit upheld a district court decision ending a court order in effect since 1982, barring the Republican National Committee from engaging in ballot security measures designed to intimidate minority voters from voting at the polls. Right. With Trump having, ta having taken over the RNC for the 2020 elections and with this consent to decree no longer standing in his way, we should be concerned about a new wave of voter suppression coming from the Republican Party during the upcoming election. Ah, I see. Well, at this rate, um, I'm not even worried because it looks like Don Lemon and Van Jones are going to be out there wearing MAGA hats at the, at the rate they're progressing, progressing very nicely to our bosom. Let's just keep this, keep this shit show rolling. There, but there was a comment here, a paragraph here that I have to show you, which I thought, I thought was impossible. I didn't think it could happen. Instead of fighting the charges, the RNC settled the case in a consent decree. This gave the DNC the power to seek contempt charges against the RNC if it appeared to violate an agreement not to engage in certain activities that could intimidate minority voters. 
That consent decree uh, decree was a powerful weapon Democrats used to stop a variety of tactics Republicans had used to make it harder for minority voters to cast their ballots. So hang on, a law was written that only applied to the Republicans? When did that happen? Apparently 35 years this law was in effect. Like, let that sink in for a moment. There was a law specifically designed for Republicans in elections about their tactics and what they can't do. By its own terms, the decree was set to expire in December 2017 unless the Democrats could prove that the RNC was continuing to violate it. Democrats pointed to Trump's statements indicating a desire to suppress the vote and to actions of state Republican officials, but they could not tie those to the actions of the RNC. As Politico reported, limited discovery was allowed to go forward after an apparent election night violation of the decree. In its unpublished decision, the Third Circuit unanimously held that Judge Vasquez had wide discretion to decide that the Democrats were not entitled to broader discovery. And given the Democrats' argument for extending the decree depended upon finding more smoking gun evidence from that discovery, the court said Vasquez was right to let the decree expire. But it said that the district court could reasonably have concluded Trump and his 2016 campaign did this in isolation from the RNC, the only one bound by the decree. We can only guess what Trump and the RNC, now freed from this consent decree, will have planned for 2020. Trump has irresponsibly used allegations of voter fraud and stolen elections to delegitimize his opposi- uh, opposition and rile up his base. They're saying that should be illegal. The, the Republicans should not be allowed to talk about things like, you know, voter, uh, voter fraud. Because this suppresses minority voters, apparently. This law was in, in effect for 35 years. Vasquez. During the 2018 election, he made unfounded allegations that the Democrats were trying to steal the U.S. Senate seat in Florida from Rick Scott during a state-required recounts of the ballots in the, in the close election. Unfounded allegations. That's, that's, that's now asking questions like, what the hell is going on in Florida? That's now an unfounded allegation. For the last 35 years, this has been illegal, apparently. Did you even know? Had Trump not taken over the RNC, I would not be so concerned about the demise of the decree. 35 years is a long time, and many of the Republican lawyers I know would bristle at some of the tactics the RNC had used in the past. But Trump likely has different plans in mind, and it would not surprise me to see Democrats and voting rights activists running back to court in 2020, trying to stop the renewal of odious tactics that should have by now been consigned to the history books. Right? This is wild stuff. Wild stuff. Donald Trump was just handed a chance to supercharge voter suppression in 2020. For 35 years, there has been a law on the book that certain tactics aren't allowed, but only for the Republicans. It was specifically written for the Republicans. 35 years. Couldn't believe it when I read it. All right, here's one for you. Like I said, 
If you missed uh, the last two days of podcast, sorry, I am trying to read comments. I do a lot of reading on this show more than most people. I read a lot of articles and stuff. So sometimes people get angry that I'm not reading all the comments. When the video is going, I get more of a chance to read the comments, but I do tend to read articles and shit, which can be very boring. Tactics include polling supervisors to how evil. Exactly, right? Exactly, because a lot of these allegations of voter suppression can be things like you need to fill out your mail-in ballot correctly. Right, you need to you need to make sure that you fill in the ballot correctly. There is a clear set of instructions and guidelines on your mail-in ballot. Please make sure that you follow these guidelines so we can count your vote. Now, these voter rights groups and activist groups, a lot of them will classify demanding certain uh, rules be followed on a mail-in ballot as voter suppression. See, a lot of this stuff is interpretation and definition, and that's where people get stuck in the weeds. Because it is absolutely reasonable to expect people to fill out a, a vote, you know, a ballot correctly. Like, that's not an issue. That is not voter suppression. That is not racism. Lucifer Sam, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining. Wow, we can finally relax. You missed the opening part, man. You will have to go back. Everybody tell Lucifer Sam to go back and watch uh, Don Lemon taking the red pill live on TV. We saw it happen. It was utterly fantastic. It was it was breathtaking. It was beautiful. You had to be there, man. I'm sorry you missed it. I really am. So I uh, just wanted to play a little bit of this from today because the last two episodes of the podcast, we went over dissecting the speeches from, first of all, Donald Trump, his national address, and then the response from the Democrats. And one of the things that we spoke about is the importance of personal stories and how why they're so effective. Because you can talk about statistics, right? You can say 266,000 people have been arrested. Uh, 100,000 of those have been arrested for violent crime. 4,000 of those have committed murder. You can say 90% of the drugs come over the border and stuff. But you know, unless you're a person that, uh, unless you're a person that tri- is triggered, you know, um, intellectually by statistics, by data. Unless you're a person that can be convinced of a certain position by those kinds of data points, then that's that's it's a it's potentially pointless to mention it, right? What most people respond to is personal stories and emotional appeals, and so what you then do later on in the speech is you you slam people over the head with four or five or six data points, so you make it more difficult. You kind of overload the senses with all of this data and the large numbers are overwhelming. And then you tell personal stories so people can find something relatable once they have been set uh, cognitively in the place where, you know, they're off, they're off put, they're off center, they're off balance by the data. So they're already like confused and questioning, wow, I didn't know it was that much. And then you tell the personal stories about, you know, the woman being beaten to death with a hammer and stuff, right? And, it, you know, I'm not trying to sound cold here, but that's just uh, that's just good speech writing. That's effective communication. So um, I just wanted to throw this up because I only this is the only part of this roundtable that I saw today, and I've put it right to the place where I started watching it, and just this uh, young woman's story about her children, and you know I thought this was pretty powerful, so it's worth seeing. So let's check it out. Loved and respected, still in this room. Please, thank you. Thank you. Um, my name's Marie Vega. 
We have two sons, my husband Javier and I. Um, very proud of both of them, both of them Marines. Um, Harvey, at a very young age, expressed a love for, for, uh, for law enforcement. <coughs> and, like, you know, the parent that wants the child to... This is an American story. ...grow up and be something and be a productive human. We supported him, and he showed interest in uh, the police force. Uh, numerous times he wrote with the police officers uh, around our town, uh, surrounding towns. Um, when he was in high school, he told us that he wanted to be a Marine. And of course, it's like, okay, you want to be a Marine, you're going to start this, you're going to follow through and you're going to finish it. And that's what he did. He became a Marine. Um, upon leaving the United States Marine Corps, he went to college, uh, became a biomed engineer, and almost immediately after graduating, he was offered a job at Christus Fawn in Kingsville. Just before we go any further with this, and again, I'm not trying to sound cold here, but it's going to sound cold if you can make that distinction. So please don't come at me and go, oh my God, how could you be so heartless and stuff? When you've when you've been doing this for a while, you tend to develop, um, <clears throat> would you say, an ability to, you know, I'm, I'm not seeing through the emotion. I'm not pretending the emotion's fake. I'm not pretending it's not there, but you analyze things from a different perspective and a different dynamic. So what? here's what I'm telling you. There are two sets of victims here in this game. Now, on the Donald Trump side, his victims are people who are killed by, you know, illegal immigrants or sexually assaulted by illegal immigrants or, you know, died of drug overdoses, brought in over the border, that kind of thing, right? That's the, that's the environment he's presenting. That's the reality he's presenting to the audience, okay? Now, you know, you can say, you can argue facts and stuff, but this is the broad story of what he's trying to present. These are his victims. The Democrats can't attack. It's, it's quite, it's, it's, it's quite delicate and it's, it's, it's almost beautiful. The Democrats can't directly attack the people that he is presenting as victims of, for obvious reasons, right? But the Democrats need their own set of victims. Their victims are the government employees. If you analyse the speech patterns of both parties here, of, you know, both talisman, then Donald Trump is, look at, look at this situation here. Look at this roundtable. These are angel families, right? Even that term, angel family, it's, it's chosen for a specific reason, Right? It's, it's meant to trigger in you, you know, deep in your subconscious emotional reactions. So if you look at this situation here, he's got a round table. He's got people pouring their heart out and telling stories of their children who have been taken from them. On the, It's like, who has the better hand here? If this was a game of cards, who has the better hand? On the other side, you've got the Democrats who are desperately trying to make the 800,000 employees, and I'm not saying that, you know, some of them aren't, you know, suffering because they're going without a paycheck and stuff. I'm not saying that's the case. That might very well be the case. But in terms of the victim hierarchy, one is clearly above the other. 
government employees versus families and parents who have had their children taken from them, like literally life-ending situations, which are arguably, if not, they're not 100% preventable, but you can definitely make more of an effort, right? And that's the point you can argue. You say you can you can cast your opponent, in this case the Democrats, as saying, hey, you're not even willing to make an effort here to prevent some of these deaths and these rapes and these drug deaths. And if you look on the Democrat side, their victims are government employees who may have to go without a paycheck for a couple of weeks. And, you know, people who are in the circles of, you know, the angel families or people who have... Um, you know, suffered in some way through illegal immigration, they are more than likely going to, they're not going to relate to the 800,000 government employees going without a paycheck. They're more than likely going to give them the finger and say, oh, fuck it. Are you kidding me? Poor baby. You go two weeks without a paycheck. I've got to go 50 years without my son. Fuck you. Right? Like who wins? In my opinion, it's hands down who's got the better hand here. So we're talking about a game of chicken here. Somebody's got to blink at some point. But in my opinion, one side holds the far better hand than their opponent. Let's carry on. Um, <clears throat> while working at <clears throat> Christus Bond, because he was surrounded by agents and saw how they worked and still with that you know, love for law enforcement in his heart, he came to me, came to my husband, and said, Mom, Dad, I want to be a Border Patrol agent. And, of course, again, you know, okay, you want to be a Border Patrol agent, then you're going to be a Border Patrol agent. And he became an agent. I always worried about him, you know, like, like I worry about our family now. You know, I want them to go to work be safe, come home to their family safely. And I always, every day, I was, you know, scared that I would lose my son. Never in my wildest dream did I ever imagine my son dying at a family outing. It was supposed to be a peaceful, fun, you know, fishing afternoon, and it it didn't happen that way. It didn't happen that way because we had a criminal, illegal alien that killed him. He came thinking that he was entitled to one of the two vehicles that we had there. This no family, like Mr. Singh says, should go through this. No one. No family should suffer the loss of a child. A parent should not have to bury their child. And so, so some piece of shit shouldn't have been in the country in the first place, comes, tries to steal a car and ends up shooting her son, right? And then, see, here's, here's why the argument's like, well, Americans do that, do that as well. Here's why it's stupid. You can't deport American citizens from America. You can deport. You can try to keep non-citizens out, though. So just pointing to the less preventable crimes as a justification for the exceedingly more preventable crimes 
does not mean that the more preventable crimes are akin to the less preventable, right? That's it's it's really irritating when people do that. If you point out a you know a crime by somebody who had no place being in the country in the first place, and then the response you get it's so idiotic, and they don't even realize how dumb it is to turn around and say, "Yeah, but Americans steal cars and shoot people too." It's like, "Yeah, I know, I know they do," but you you can't kick them out. You can't prevent Americans from entering America. You can prevent non-Americans from entering America. But you don't want to. So what's what's the cost? An extra 4,000 deaths on the... 4,000 more deaths than there would otherwise be. That's, that's the price you pay. 4,000 more families like this. Doesn't make any sense. It's it's bright. I, I it's mindless. I I would struggle to find any country on earth that has, let alone the world's greatest superpower that's ever been known, the United States of America, the most powerful nation on earth, in all of human history, is too afraid of being called a racist to stop people from coming over the border and killing its own citizens. What the fuck is going on? Trust me, as a non-American, we look at that and go, really? What are they, insane? What the hell is that? That doesn't make any sense at all. What, what they're worried about, you know, protecting their border? Like, what the hell? Oh, they say they can't do it. What do you mean they can't do it? Of course they can do it. If your country, if your country can go all around the world and stomp its foot and fucking drop bombs and fly drones and you know <laughs> take out terrorists living in fucking sand holes in these far flung shitholes, if your country can listen to every single phone call on the face of the earth and catalogue it and archive it and look for red flags, you sure as shit can stop people coming over your border, man. Don't give me that. Don't tell me that. That is utter rubbish. That is utter and complete bollocks. So the most powerful military, the most powerful economy in the most powerful country of the world, oh, we're just powerless to stop people from waltzing over the border and, and walking into our country. Pig's ass. That is the most insanely stupid shit I have ever heard in my life. You can, you can construct a no-fly zone over Iraq, but you can't stop people coming over the southern border. Give me a fucking break, man. Like, don't piss down my back and tell me it's raining. You must be retarded to think that you could get away with such shit like that. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. You can, you can hunt down terrorists in caves in Afghanistan, but you can't stop people waltzing over the border with drugs. What? <laughs> The sad, the sad part is people are really stupid enough to believe that. Utterly insane. Like you, you can, you can, you can, um, you can effectively stop people going over borders in other countries. America has literally gone into other countries and constructed borders and stopped people from crossing it, but you can't stop people crossing your own damn border. Bullshit. Give me a break. This is a political problem. It's not a geographical problem. 
it's you it's not that you can't do anything it's that you don't have the will to do it you've sure as shit got the will to enforce borders in other countries where people might argue you have no right being in in the first place you could do that so then don't turn around to me all limp-wristed and lily-livered and you know drooling onto your dribble bib and you know hanky sucking bedwetting cuckoldness and say oh we, we can't we can't do anything for our own border it's immoral it's fucking immoral. You can, you can shoot people on the borders of countries in the Middle East, but it's immoral to police your own border. Give me a fucking break, man. You must be insane to believe that. We can't leave Syria. We can't leave Iraq. We can't leave Afghanistan. We must be there to patrol the borders. Otherwise, Iran will move in. These very same people say, we can't patrol our own borders. It's immoral. (laughs) God. Have you ever seen this shit before? What the hell is wrong with these people? We We need to police the borders in Syria and Afghanistan, but we can't police our own because it's wrong. It's the wrong thing to do. Has anybody ever asked Nancy Pelosi that? Nancy, do you think it's wrong to be leaving Syria? Yes. Why can you police the borders in Syria but not your own? Why Why do you need to be in Afghanistan to patrol borders to prevent somebody else from moving in, but you can't patrol your own borders? Why is it immoral for you and not immoral to do it to somebody else? By Nancy Pelosi's logic, it would be moral if the Afghanistani, the Afghanis, the Afghanis or the Mexicans came in and policed America's border for them. That would be fine. It, se- it seems the rule is you can go overseas and police other people's borders, but you're not allowed to police your own. That's, that's okay. Let's get the Iraqi special forces. We'll move them into Texas. We'll set them up in a nice tent city down there, and we'll get the Iraqis to patrol the southern border. I bet, I bet you the illegal immigration stops like that, right? It'll fucking stop yesterday. If you get a bunch of trigger-happy Iraqis on the border down there at Mexico, they're going to be like, oh, fuck no, we're not trying it now. I'm not putting my ladder up against that shit. Hell no. Hell no. (laughs) That'll be done. It'll be done. Game over at that point. Maybe this is the way we can build bridges. Maybe this is the way that there can be true reconciliation between America and the Middle East. America polices the borders of the Middle Eastern countries and the Middle Eastern countries patrol the border of America. Wouldn't that be wonderful? It's like a power sharing thing. Yes, I think think we're onto something here. So the Americans go over to the Middle East and they patrol the borders of Syria, Afghanistan and Iraq. And then we bring the Iraqis, the Afghanis and the Syrians and, you know, ISIS and the jihadists. And we put them like in a trench and then they can patrol the border of the south, the south of uh, America and stop anybody coming into the country. It's a great deal. It's a hell of a deal. You're going to love this deal. Trust me. I got a guy. I got a guy in the Middle East. I know a guy. He makes great walls. He does a beautiful wall. He's going to make a fantastic wall. There's going to be scud missiles and shit on that fucker. We're going to have Gatling guns sticking out of it. Landmines all the way down to Mexico City in the dust. That's, that's how they do borders over there, by the way. Landmines in the sand. But you can't put a wall up. Right. Right. <laughs> Here's one for you. Uh, it's hard to be a feminist... If you're broke, you need money to be a feminist. Let's check this out. 
You can't be a feminist if you're broke. You can be a feminist in mindset only, right? But in action, there's very little that you can do to move women forward, to get paid what you are worth. I think money is extremely important to be able to make whatever choices you want to make and to have the autonomy to make those decisions. And that's how I think about it for myself, you know. I, you know, don't necessarily spend a lot of time marching in the street, right? Because I have four kids. Yep. I like I like this feminist. And I don't usually get the opportunity to do that. Hey, if if this is new femi- if this is feminism, I'm all for it. Listen to this chick. If she's a feminist, I'm like, fuck yeah, this is feminism then. Let's make this feminism. However, the way that I fight is I go and I make money and I teach other women how to make money too. Beautiful. 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 I love this woman. Mother of four, the way that I fight is I go out and make money. Capitalism wins the day again. Now the feminists love fucking capitalism. Like, this this is the bizarro show. We've got Don Lemon saying that it's wrong for the LGBT community to bully people into accepting them. We've got Van Jones calling Donald Trump's policies a Christmas miracle and Donald Trump has brought people together where they otherwise wouldn't be. And we've got feminists coming out and praising capitalism. Like, what the fuck is going on? 2019 is... Can, can we get a round of applause for 2019, please? 2019 is going to be one hell of a year. If, if we progress at this rate, I mean, by, Chris, by Christmas 2019, we might all just, all the world's problems might be fucking solved at this rate. This is, ins- this is sensational. I go out and make money for feminism. Yes, that's what we want. Get out there and get that green. Obtain the green. You don't sit back and cry and whinge and get the government to give you quotas and shit. No, you grit your teeth, you roll up your sleeves, you get out there and you fucking do it yourself. That's good. I like that. Come on, That's what everybody should do. Penis or vagina. I don't even care. Or other. I don't care. If you've got both, you should be making twice as much. Twice as much. This is, this is the best show we've ever done. And I think that is really important that when we are able to amass more wealth, we can spread that wealth. I grew up uh, poor. (laughs) So I grew up, you know, being embarrassed about using food stamps at the supermarket checkout line and hoping that none of my friends would run into me. But see, that's beautiful. See, this this is the other thing, too. Anybody who grew up without money knows the shithole that they came from and knows that they don't want to go back to it. Right. Like, this is another fantasy that, you know, our political class, our political elites have. They think that they, they, they think that everybody wants to live in a ghetto. You know, oh, we need to give more money to the people. You know, just give them more welfare. No, no, people are dying to get out of there. They want to get out. Now you have these idiots that go around and saying, well, you know, it's, it's racist to live in a successful area. What, what the hell are you talking about? Everybody is trying to move into your area and you're moving back into the city. What's wrong with you? What, because you don't want to be racist or something? You're sick in the head. You are sick in the head. You need therapy. Everybody's trying to get the fuck out of the poor areas. And the ones that don't, you know, they, they, they make that choice. They get stuck. They do what they got to do. 
And don't say you don't have a choice because you do have a choice. If you have to work three fucking jobs, I scrubbed, I scrubbed shit off septic tanks when I was 16 years old. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but do I generally sound like somebody who is best equipped, like whose, whose skills are being most utilized by scrubbing shit off septic tanks as a 16-year-old? Of course not. But I had to do what I had to do. And I have no shame in that at all. I'm proud of that shit. A lot of a lot of these full-time pundits and a lot of these full-time people that work, you see because I came through unions. I didn't come to, I wasn't I wasn't private school boy. I didn't go through the private school and have the polo club and the country club and the knitted vests, right? That wasn't me. I'm a blue collar guy. And you look at these full-time people that live and breathe in politics, whether it's in, in government itself or as an apparatchik or, you know, as an aide or an auxiliary or a pundit or a journalist, a lot of them have really soft bellies, really soft bellies. No sound? There's sound, I think, Sinsoaked. I think there's sound. But a lot of them have really soft bellies, Right. They never had to scrub shit off septic tanks. They never had to break a sweat. And then these people are the ones that will sit down and try to tell you how important they are. These are the ones that will sit down and try to tell you how, how important their decisions are, the policies that they make, what a difference they make for real people in the community. Oh, you know what? We're making a difference in the community. It's like, you know what? Go out for a night with one of your voters and do what they do for a living and then see how fucking important you are. You won't last 40 minutes. So I like this chick's attitude. I like what she's doing. You know what? Okay, you want to be a feminist? That's fine. But if you've got four kids and you're going out there and you're making money and you're teaching people, you know, how to make money and stuff and you're like, you know, I came from a poor area and I'm, you know, expanding my knowledge and I'm expanding my skills, I'm adding value to the economy, I fucking salute you. I give you a tip of the hat. Well done. Well done. That's what we want. Now, if you could teach the other ragged-edged, unwashed, hairy, armpitted you know, pink dreadlocked, Coke bottle wearing, glasses screaming, screeching, fat arm waving, cankled beasts to do the same, then we'd all be in a far better place. All right, it's time for a break. I'll see you in five. Hello, everybody. This is Chris McDonald. I want to take this opportunity to invite you to listen to our Mac Files broadcast every Monday through Friday night from 9 30 to 10 30 right here on Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook Live. We always have a wide variety of guests that talk about faith, make America great again, the nation, President Trump. We deal with a lot of law enforcement issues, a lot of immigration issues, and issues that are very relevant to the time that we live in. Friday nights, 1130, the one and only James R. joins us for Pirate Radio, one of the liveliest shows late night that you'll ever have. And then Sunday nights, we have uh, Pastor Ronnie Mitchum join us at 8.30 p.m. for our Sunday night faith chat. And be there. We're looking for you. Join us each week. 
Aloha, James R. here. When I'm not in court defending the boys from the starting block against slander charges. Alleged! Yes, yes. Alleged. I'm hosting Trust and Verify with Boogie Bumper every Sunday night at 1 a.m. on TAVshow.com. Join us and all your favorite broadcasters there. TAVshow.com. Friend and foe alike, join me, Varun Prasad, every week on the Common Discourse Weekly Roundup podcast. You can follow the show on at TCD Tweet on Twitter and Periscope. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, StreamMe, iTunes, or your preferred podcast platform. If you like what you hear, or you would like to express your raging discontent, please consider leaving us a review. The Common Discourse, independent political opinion, thought, and analysis for the people, by the people. Do you lie awake at night pondering life's big questions? Is there a God? What is the meaning of life? How would one do an hour-long sports show without ever actually talking about sport? If yes, we can help you answer 33% of these pressing questions. All you have to do is check out the starting block on TAVshow.com, Periscope, Stream Me, or YouTube, Wednesday mornings at 3am Eastern Standard Time. You can also download the podcast on iTunes just by searching for The Starting Block in the store or at thestartingblock.podbean.com. Or if you're really desperate for answers, why not check us out on Twitter, at The Starting Block. No K at the end, don't forget to drop that K. Enlightenment is now only a click away. Now that is a freaking awesome I think a lot of it is he's free where they're not. If you are on the side of the politically correct, then you are, it's like you're constrained by the weapon that you're trying to hit somebody else with. Does that make sense? Like you can't, you can't profess the virtues of political correctness and overt sensitivity and not offending people and then come out and do it because you'll be a traitor to your own cause. So if you don't sign up to that politically correct mindset, if you don't fall into the I must not offend crowd, then you're really free. And they're not because they can't attack, they can only attack you by saying how offensive you are. And if it's particularly unpopular at the time to be, you know, uh, politically correct, then guess what? Every single time that you use the only weapon that you can, which is political correctness, you get less popular and the person that you're attacking gets more popular just by the fact that you're attacking them. Because if you're saying that these people are so politically correct, like they, they can't say whatever they want, every time you try to attack the guy, you prove his point. You, you make him stronger. It's like trying to fire nukes into the sun and think you're gonna blow it up. It doesn't work that way. You're just adding to the combustion. It's not going to stop. It's not, it's not going to stop. He's not going to slow down. The way these people approach it, they, they just don't get it. He, he's not going to just suddenly snap out of it. He's not going to start being what you want him to be. It's only going to get faster and harder. But they, they don't see that. They don't understand. So, that, I mean, because that's the bubble. That's the privileged bubble of going straight from college into a, you know, into the media and living in that environment and all of your colleagues agree with you.
Coming in hot. Back to the Daily Boogie. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Ba-dum, bom, bom, bom. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Ah, feeling good. <clears throat> like I said, it's been a hell of a show, hasn't it? Well, I shouldn't ask you. <laughs> I hate it when people do that. It's such a hacky thing to do, I think, in my opinion. But like I said, I'm just feeling good. It's feeling good tonight. It's feeling really good. We've we've had some absolute revelations. Thanks for sticking around. So I'm like, it's been a good show. Don Lemon Don Lemon has recanted on bullying of LGBT communities against other people. Van Jones says Donald Trump is a Christmas miracle. Feminism now means going out and working hard and earning money. I mean, it's fucking oh, just beautiful. But we do have to bring it down a touch. I am eagerly awaiting uh, the clock to tick over to a reasonable time so I can show you Europe's first sex doll brothel because that's the one I'm looking forward to the most. But I think it may get me banned. So, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Play one. All right. Before we do this uh, little clip, because we've done a couple of clips back to back, I want to show you another article here. Uh, for the Floridians, are there any Floridians in the house? If you're in Florida, get out right now because you people are fucking insane. Florida woman robs mailman with toy gun, flees on tricycle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. The perfect crime. They'll never see me coming. Collier County, Florida. A woman is behind bars after she allegedly held up a postal worker with a toy gun. See, this is this is the thing that pisses me off. I rem- I'm old enough to remember the good old days when postal workers would go batshit crazy and shoot people with semi-automatic rifles. Do you remember those good old days? Do you remember that? So in response to the postal workers going postal, that's where the term comes from. If you're a young person, you probably don't know what it means to go postal. That's what it means. Uh, what was the guy's name? Berkovitz? Berkovitz, this postman, went into his, his work and shot up a whole bunch of people with a rifle. And he went nuts. He went crazy. And so that's why it's called going, oh, you, he's going postal. That's where it comes from. So they they completely castrated all the postal workers, and now they're getting held up by middle-aged women with toy guns on tricycles. Like, the whole world has flipped over on its fucking head. Don Lemon is apologising for the LGBT community uh, bullying people. Van Jones is calling Donald Trump a Christmas miracle. Feminists are advocating to go out and earn money and work hard and have four children. And rather than mailman, mailmen, you know, postal workers shooting up people, postal workers are being held up with toy guns by middle-aged women on tricycles. Like I said, 2019 is going to be a hell of a year. Can't wait. 
On Saturday, deputies responded to reports of a woman threatening people with a weapon. <laughs> and f- <laughs> and they found her riding a tricycle. <laughs> Holding a toy gun. This woman. <laughs> riding around on a tricycle. She was riding around on a tricycle with a fist full of steel getting in people's faces. <laughs> Step to me, bitch. <laughs> and then <laughs> on her tricycle as she trundles off down the road at a very slow pace. She was detained without incident. Ah, oh, she didn't put up much of a fight then. I guess the patrol car could keep up with the trike, amazingly. Witnesses said Christomo used the weapon to force a mail carrier out of his truck, then she made him hand her a package out of the back. She just wanted her mail. <laughs> So she holds up a postal worker with a toy gun while she's riding a tricycle, doesn't take money, takes a package out of the back of the van. Florida woman robs mailman with toy gun, flees on tricycle. And here's another one for the Floridians. Florida teacher accused of smearing feces in park before child's birthday party. (laughs) I wonder if my first thought was, is this the same woman? (laughs) Maybe she was having her shit show at the at the child's birthday party and then took off on her tricycle with her toy gun. The substitute was reportedly angry at a school principal who had rented the park pavilion. I, I, I don't know. People, people raise concerns about the education system. I don't know why. I don't know why. A substitute teacher in Florida was so angry with a principal that she smeared human feces around a Sarasota Park pavilion that the principal had rented for her child's birthday party, law officers said. (laughs) Now, they say human feces, but I know the question on everybody's lips. Whose feces was it? Come on. Because it's not like it's not like chook poo for the garden. It's not like cow manure. You can't just go and buy a bag of human shit. You have to obtain the human shit yourself. And whether that's collecting your own or collecting other people's, (laughs) you do have to collect it physically yourself. So I I would like to know where she got the human shit from. That's the pressing question for me. And if it was enough to smear around a pavilion... Was she collecting her own shit for like three weeks? And then, and then my next question is, okay, so if you're collecting your own shit for three weeks so you can smear it around a pavilion to get back at a co-worker, where do you keep it for three weeks? Like, do you keep it in the fridge or the freezer so it doesn't stink up the house? Because you can't keep it, you can't keep it outside. Like, it's got to be refrigerated because otherwise it will turn hard like a stone and you can't smear petrified shit on a pavilion it's got to be kept at a certain temperature so that it doesn't harden and because you need it to be a certain consistency. It's all about the consistency. It's got to be like hot tar when you're, <laughs> when you're smearing it on a pavilion <laughs> in the fridge, you think, yeah? I think the fridge. I think the fridge. Maybe a bar fridge. Maybe she kept a bar fridge like in the garage or something. Honey, what are you doing in the garage all the time? Oh, nothing, nothing. Just cleaning. All the while, she's crapping into the fridge. Authorities say they became aware of the incident on December 1st when a witness reported seeing a woman wearing blue gloves and a mask, or at least she did it safely, 
Placing human waste and fecal matter on the porous wooden tables and grills. On the grills! Oh, that's a crime against humanity. I have more of a problem with somebody who smears human shit on a grill at a public park than I probably do with, you know, a murderer or a rapist. I'm just putting it out there. You know, murderers and rapists are like the lowest of the low, but if you smear your own human shit on a grill at a public park, I'm sorry, there is a secret room in hell reserved just for you. Like, you go you go a level below the murderers and the rapists. The murderers and the rapists are, like, a level above you looking down at a grill in the floor spitting on you. That's how low you are in hell. <sighs> Jennifer Briggs. <laughs> Jennifer Briggs is leaving Florida. That's it. She's out. Mike Hutchinson, who said he was at the park at the time. What a joy. I'm surprised he didn't live stream it told Fox 13 News he was shocked and appalled. I'm shocked. I was shocked and appalled. At this stage of my life, I can't be shocked by anything, really. I think, you know, I think I've seen it all. I think, you know, we saw Don Lemon earlier in the night saying that the LGBT community shouldn't bully people into accepting their view. Like, now I've seen it all. If I walked out of my house right now and saw a woman smearing human shit on my letterbox, i go, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, it makes sense. That's the way it should be. The way it should be. Boogie, this is a shitty story, says Educate. Kamala Harris announcement uh, imminent to run for president. Oh, that'll be fun. I was watching a bit of Kamala Harris earlier today on CNN. She's just released a book, something like an American American story or something. Oh, God. Can we stop doing biographies of people like it looks like they're sitting on a pile of pillows looking into the camera? That's like... I wonder if any of these books even have words printed in them or if they're just covers. You know, we give you 4 or $5 million for a book deal. You support these various programs that we want to push. We won't, we'll just print somebody else's story in there, whack your name on it. We get a picture of you sitting in a pile of pillows. Next thing you know, bang, bestseller, top of the list, top of the pops. The smell hit me, this is the guy, and I noticed that she did it to every table. It was a mixture of urine and feces. She had it in a big cup and was just pouring it out and wiping it in. There she is. <laughs> That's the, Auss- the perfect segue to play the Aussie in his skivvies chasing the DUI after hitting the store. I don't know. Send it to me. Send it to me, James. I don't know the one you're talking about. I'll keep an eye out for you. I'll keep an eye out for you. If you send it to me, I'll play it. All right, I want to play this clip. This is from South South Africa. South Africa. Are you guys, can you do South African accents? Probably not. I assume Americans can't do South African accents because a lot of Americans think, you know, Australians and New Zealanders and South Africans all sound the same. So I'm betting that you can't do South African accents. South Africa. South Africa. Yes. We are the booze in South Africa. So this is a clip from South Africa. Apparently, um, somebody found footage of a school that was segregating the white students from the black students. Now, don't jump to conclusions here. So the school came out and said, no, the reason that they were sitting apart was because they spoke different languages. So the black kids didn't speak the same language as the white kids. So we were teaching them separately. But that wasn't enough, of course. You can imagine... um, This was racism at its worst. This was segregation. This was apartheid coming back. 
But I want you to pay special attention here to this politician. He's not, he's not even a politician. I think he's a bureaucrat. He goes on this news show and he gets, he gets asked that question. What do you make of the claim that they were separated for language instead of race? And this is one of the greatest word salads you'll ever see that he, go, he doesn't even address the question. It's fantastic. I laughed my ass off. Now, a Northwest teacher responsible for allegedly separating children along racial lines has been suspended with immediate effect. Large school Schweizerenica is in hot water after a photo went viral showing black pupils sitting separately from their white classmates. Now, the South African Human Rights Commission has started a campaign aimed at ending racism. For more on the story now, we're joined from our Cape Town studios by Commissioner Andre Guam. Uh, Andre, thanks very much. Okay. This is school commissioner Andre Guam. Now, <laughs> you just you could just tell by looking at him that it's going to be an inspiring fucking speech, can't you? So he is he is going to not answer a question in the most delicious, delectable, delightful way possible by answering everything else. Check this out. For your time uh, this James, afternoon, what's your take first of all on the explanation from the Thank school? You, uh, your, the, the explanation from the school that these uh, children, these young children, were separated not along racial lines, along language lines, and that just happened to look like racial lines. Yes, uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, I think the general principle should be that the separation of anyone according to racial lines is uh, potentially very problematic and unconstitutional. <laughs> Do you see why this shit makes me laugh? Like I said, the last two podcasts I spent two hours bake, uh, breaking down political speech. You know, and explaining subtext and inference and context and how, you know, uh, use of certain words, uh, you know, it's designed in a, in a fashion to leave a certain impression on the audience and speak to a certain audience, right? To create some kind of action which will aid some kind of objective. And this guy gets asked, what do you make of the thing that, what do you make of the statement that they weren't separated due to race, they were separated due to language? Well, I think as a general principle, anybody who separates anybody according to race creates potentially problematic. That's <laughs> <laughs> not what she fucking asked you, mate. This is the commissioner. See, in a, in a truly free society, um, I think the civilians who pay tax that pay this guy's salary at this point would have uh, fair game, fair game to go over and tar and feather this man. He's not working for you at this point. He's he's working for somebody else. He can't even answer a simple question. Like that that's a very easy question to answer. That's not a politically pressured question. What do you make of the statement that they weren't separated for race due, but instead due to language? You say we're con- well we're going to conduct a thorough investigation. Done. Done. Like game over. You don't have to well, a general principle. Well, I'm not asking you about general principles. Who the fuck do you think you are, Aristotle? Just answer the damn question, man. This isn't philo- uh, you know, philosophy 101. We're not here to talk about general principles. You are the commissioner of the school system. Just answer the fucking question you were asked, bro. <laughs> well, I think it's wrong to separate people according to race. Well, good for you. Good for you. Yes, mate. Yes. You do us all proud.
But if you if you could just work your way back to the question at some point during this laborious soliloquy, then we would all be far better off. But he doesn't. Check it out. I think it goes for like a minute and a half. And in this very instance, uh, we are also investigating the matter. Our provincial manager from the <laughs> Northwest Office of the Human Rights God, Commission how, how uh, is visiting the school today and will also give a full report back to us as to the uh, events that <laughs> occurred there and the uh, uh, unfortunate photo unfortunate. that uh, allegedly surfaced. The unfortunate photo that allegedly surfaced. He doesn't even know if there's a photo or not. <laughs> Yes. I love this level. I love seeing how I love it when I can show how political correctness can so corrupt the human mind that they can't even be sure whether they've seen a photo with their own eyes or not. They don't even know if they're allowed to say that they've seen the photo that the guy got sacked for. Do you see what I'm saying? Like Oh, there was a photo that allegedly surfaced. He doesn't even know why he's saying allegedly. Obviously, a photo surfaced, which is why he's on the fucking TV show in the first place. <laughs> if, there, if there was no photo that surfaced, he doesn't get called on to the TV show. <laughs> there was a... Oh, there was an unfortunate photo that allegedly surfaced. What do you think you're here? What do you? Why do you think you're on television, dude? Why do you think you're ask? You're being asked questions about it. <laughs> allegedly, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> because he's he's so castrated by PC, he doesn't even know if he's allowed to explain basic reality anymore. Is isn't it tragically beautiful? You know, it, you know what it's like? It's tragically beautiful. It would be like if somebody, um, you know, it would be like if somebody put a gun in their mouth and committed suicide, but their brain splatter actually went on a canvas and then that canvas got sold at an art gallery for a million dollars, right? This is the, what I'm describing here. It's a tragedy, but it's also beautiful. It's a beautiful work of art at the same time. <laughs> Maybe that's a pretty grotesque way of describing it, but that's the first thing that popped into my head. No, I'm not suicidal. Thanks, Freedom Forever. Let's carry on with this guy. And we'll also give a full report back to us as to the uh, events that occurred there and the uh, uh, unfortunate <laughs> photo that uh, allegedly surf- surfaced on the, or that did surface. Uh, oh, that, that did. He corrected himself. And so forth. And but so forth. Uh, the general principle is general clear, principle. and that is to separate people, uh, and in this case learners, according to racial lines, is uh, discriminatory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm absolutely. sure something that must be of particular concern. See, at the end, at the end of that statement, she's, she couldn't even be bothered. She couldn't even be bothered with a follow-up question. She's like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to leave that here. Right. <laughs> Maybe I'll tweet that one out later. You have, to, you have to see this guy. It's like a six-minute thing. I'm not going to watch the whole thing, but it, it gets worse from there. It's really bad. This guy's terrible. I don't even know who he is, but we're going to make him famous. <laughs> the worst, the worst bureaucrat of all time. <laughs> he doesn't even have the basic skill to use allegedly in context. Uh, James sent through this one. This is a family favourite for people who watch this show. Oh well, it's really quite funny. I was I was in bed sleeping at uh, two o'clock this morning. Me. <laughs> 
James is trying James is trying to attack our Aussie heroes here. So basically what happened, a car crashed into this house. So you've got to understand, I'm from Sydney, and this is in Brisbane. And there's a difference between Brisbane and Sydney, obviously. Uh, you know, Sydney is the first city. It's the biggest city in the country. Um, it's not the capital, and angry we are still about that, even hundreds of years later, because it should be. But it was like the landing place of the first fleet and all of that jazz. Uh, Brisbane is where they sent the... <laughs> So when the, in the convict age, this is true, um, Brisbane is where they sent the people that were a little bit mentally deficient. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I love Brisbane. I love Queensland. Love Queensland. I was raised by someone who lived in Queensland before they moved to Sydney, right? So like a Queenslander, basically. So I have an, I have an affinity with Queensland and, and Brisbane especially. I love the place. But this is true. Like, you know, in the convict days, they sent the, you know, the the more deranged convicts to, to, to Brisbane, <laughs> which is a beautiful story in of itself. But this guy, see, I'm not saying this guy's deranged or anything. I'm saying this guy is a true Aussie fucking hero. And, you know, he he's on TV, you know, the biggest morning show in Australia today. He doesn't even care. He, like, he's got his tats. He's got his mullet. And he tells the story about how a, a car crashed into uh, his friend's shop, and then he act, he he was the hero who saved the day. Oh well, it's really quite funny. I was I was in bed sleeping at uh, two o'clock this morning. My wife comes in and says, "Oh, the shop's been uh, someone ran into the shop." And I said, "Oh, what?" So I jumped out of bed, and all I had was my undies on. And I've walked out the front and. I've seen uh, the car smashed and I've seen car the bloke seen walking back accent. to the car. And so I've walked car. outside and I said, oh, what are you doing, mate? Like, you can't be leaving the scene. <laughs> and he goes, don't be a hero, mate. And I said, I'm not trying to be a hero, but the police are coming. And he just decided he'd scoot up the road. And I just said, nah, it's not going on like that, mate. It's not so going on like that, car, mate. And I started chasing him up the road. And then he went down a side street and then the police were coming. And I flashed him and sent them off in the direction of him. But, mate, all I had was me jocks on. And I was chasing him up the street and I'm just like mate because <laughs> you, you told me that this is your mate's shop yes. and you didn't want him to get away yeah no nah, look nah, at the host it, it, well me mate's mum's had this shop for like 40 odd years and uh look at it mate look at it mate Whoa. it's a mess isn't yeah, it uh, beyond a mess oh, like words words can't explain how it is mate like now Daniel you managed to put some pants on in the meantime yeah mate That's good yeah mate <laughs> do you feel like a hero Oh, uh, not really. It's it's just something you got to do for the community, mate. It's like mate, you look everyone's after your mate. mates, and your mates will always Love look it. after you. There you go. Good attitude. There you go, guys. Daniel, quite the Australian. Look after your mates and your mates will always look after you. Fuck, I love being an Aussie man. Here, mate, here this fuck, I love morning, being an Aussie the mate. owners of the fish and chip shop. Well, they are insured, but there is a big mess to clean up this morning. Oh, wouldn't you like to live next door to He gets a round of applause. needs to realise, Daniel, if you can hear me, you know all good superheroes wear their jocks on the outside, so True. it kind of fits the brief, yeah. pardon the pun. Yeah, oh, but nice. I had nothing on but me jocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lisa. <laughs> you missed that bit of the uniform, but that's okay. You're a hero in our eyes. Wow. Well done, Daniel. Yeah, cheers. Thanks a lot, guys. Lucifer Sam asks, is that Jesus? I think it is Jesus. I think he is Jesus. Fantastic stuff, James. We should play that on every free-for-all. I love him. He's a great man. 
Um, oh, okay, we were going to do this. Did you guys see this a few weeks ago? Because I've, I've been off for a couple of weeks. James says three months, but he would say that because he's an Asian and he's used to people slapping him over the back of the head if he gets his keystrokes one wrong when he's playing Beethoven on the piano. So, you know, he's drilled with a certain level of work ethic that unfortunately us white fucks can't live up to. That's communism for you. So... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so did you see this? Kids meet someone who's had an abortion. This should be fun. Do you think that sometimes it's not okay to have an abortion? I want to say if like if you're being reckless, if there's nothing wrong going on. I don't know. I just don't agree. Hmm? So um, what, what are, are we, we here to talk about, about today? today? <laughs> well, I had an abortion. Oh. Mm. So what do you know or what have you heard about abortion? I don't exactly know what happens, but like you go and basically get rid of the baby from inside you. How, what have you heard? That. Same thing. <laughs> have you ever talked to somebody about abortion before? I actually wrote a paper in fifth grade about it. Oh, wow. Like what was yeah. your paper about? Abortion is okay. Uh-huh. And it also... I like this kid. He's wearing a bow tie. I thought he might have been a libertarian. I guess I was wrong. <laughs> also depends on like what's happening and why they got they got the abortion. So you think it's okay depending on the circumstances? Yes. Hmm. Why did you have an abortion? A few years ago, I got pregnant, and I no. She she she's releasing a children's book about abortion. <laughs> People are like, what the fuck is this? Uh, Amelia Bono. She's hashtagged. Her her little avatar is a heart that says abortion is normal. She's releasing a children's book about abortion in 2020, and she was trying to start the hashtag to promote her book in 2020. That's a long way out, darling. That is a very, 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 very slow launch. Very slow launch. I mean, we're talking two years here, right? <laughs> no one's even going to know who the fuck you are in two years. <laughs> But she wanted to start a hashtag, shout your abortion. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, like I said, things are fucked up in 2019. Really didn't want to have a baby. This May is the I weirdest thing in the world. Did he not wear a condom? Did the condom break? Was it pre-ejaculation? She's been activated. Okay, very tough. He wasn't wearing a condom. Well, I wasn't even wearing a condom. Have you ever had two options and one of them, like, seems easier at the time? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, you could take a shortcut or yeah. you could go the long way It was way the shortcut around. version. Mm. What did your partner think at the time? You know, I think we were both, like, bummed out that I got pregnant. And he was just, like, supportive of what I wanted to do. Were you reckless at the time? Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't... I love this kid. I do love him. I wouldn't really say that Were I was you reckless at being the time? reckless. Mistakes happen. Mistakes and, happen. And sometimes... Mistakes happen. I accidentally fell on an uncovered dick and it accidentally splurged inside me and I accidentally got pregnant and then I accidentally drove to the abortion clinic and then I accidentally had it. Mistakes happen, right? You just don't do that in the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I'm glad. <laughs> 
When you have an abortion, what exactly do you do to like have the abortion? You go to the doctor and they put this little straw inside of your cervix and then inside of your uterus and then they just suck the pregnancy out. They and it was like ooh, ooh. Do you hear the way she described it to the kids? They suck the pregnancy out. Isn't isn't that a wonderful way of describing it? Congratulations, your pregnancy is a boy. Appointment <laughs> or something. It was just like ah, this is like congratulations, your pregnancy is a fetus. Uncomfortable, but then it was over, and I felt really just grateful that I wasn't pregnant anymore. I've gone into many an internet argument about it. Facebook, oh, Instagram. This, this chick's got no. This chick's got no chance. I'm it's sorry. So- this girl's got no chance. She's already doing like she's halfway to cosplay at this point. She's wearing a collar. She's got a big nose ring. She's doing her eyes makeup like a cat. Oh no. Oh darling. You know what? I don't even have a problem with the girl talking the woman talking about abortion with with this girl. Shouldn't say that. So taboo to a lot of folks and I don't know why. Do you think that sometimes it's not okay to have an abortion? I want to say if like if you're being reckless, if there's nothing wrong going on. I don't know. I just don't agree. Do we want people to just have all those babies? No. So what do we do with them? Put them up for adoption. I feel like if I am forced to create life, mm-hmm. I have lost the right to my own life. I sh- I feel if I'm forced to create life. <clears throat> But it was a consensual. It was consensual sex, darling. You do understand. Oh no! Wait, wait. It is 2019, isn't it? Everything is rape. I forgot. I forgot. Everything is rape now. <laughs> Consex- consensual sex is rape, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I feel like if I'm forced, <laughs> nobody forced you. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh because it's a serious topic, but I'm like, I'm, you know what? <clears throat> We're so far down the track now. I'm like, well, what the hell do I do? I can't say anything. I can't, I can't do anything about it. All I can do is throw my hands up in the air and go, these people are insane and, you know, whatever. <clears throat> I've, I've lost the will to fight on this issue. Like, it's like, well, whatevs, whatevs. You do whatever the hell you got to do. I, th- I think it's deranged to have that kind of worldview, but, you know, if that's if that's what floats your boat, if that's what tickles your pickle, then you know, go ahead and have at it. Really, no, I'm not going to stop you, but shit happens, right? Should be the one to decide if my body creates a life. Even if you're giving a kid up for adoption, you still like have a kid out there somewhere. You know? Yeah. Are you religious at all? I believe in God. Mm-hmm. What do you think that God thinks about abortion? If I were to say, I think like he's fine with it because there are still babies being born. Sam says, the sperm were so full of toxic masculinity, they smashed right through the egg. (laughs) What do you think God thinks about abortion? I think it's all part of God's plan. That's that's part of what I said. I really was just thinking about Drake when I said that. (laughs) Are you guys religious? Yeah, I'm Catholic. Have you ever heard of what, like, the Catholic Church thinks about abortion? I don't think the church liked it. Yeah. Because, like, they, like, see it as, like, killing the baby. 
I think I think the religion thing is just used as like a simple out for pro pro choice, pro abortion. Like I know there is a difference between pro choice and pro abortion. Don't get me wrong, but <clears throat> I think it's just used as a simple out. And you can take it from me, from somebody who spent the first the first you know thirty four years of their life uh, as not only an atheist, but the kind of atheist that Christians hated and, you know, uh, came to faith much later, <clears throat> raised an atheist, mind you, uh, I can tell you that it, abortion isn't all about religion. They say it's all about religion because the very next move you're going to make in the argument is to say that you believe in fairies or something like that. You know, you're anti-science. Like this, this is why you bring up religion in the first place because it's a very easy attack point. It's actually much more difficult and much more intellectual to study things like the Bible. It is probably one of the most complicated, if not the most complicated book that's ever been written. It's actually written. <clears throat> it's actually written in a number of different genres. You know, if you go to a bookstore, you can buy a romantic novel, or you can buy a mystery novel, or you can buy you know, a textbook. The Bible is all of those and more at different at different times. And and there's a lot of room for interpretation. There's a lot of intellectual debate about the Bible. So when people, you know, I, I used to do it myself. When, you know, people sit there and say, well, it's kind of like, well, you believe in fairies. You've got a sky daddy. Uh, the earth is flat. Um, you know, are you against abortion? Yes. I oh, say so you you're religious, right? Well, well, yes, I believe in God. Well, okay, now I can cast you as somebody who believes in fairy tales, therefore I don't have to take your opinion seriously. That's what you're doing it for. That's what I used to do <laughs> when I was arguing with Christians back in the day. If I knew they were a Christian and I was debating them or something in a public forum, I would say, "Yes." Uh by the way, let's let's talk about your Christianity for a second here because according to you, uh, according to the Bible, you must be against this because, and you would just take one quote out of context, and then I would watch as the Christians would squirm and say, "Well, no, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily mean that because you're taking it out of context. You've got to say you, you've got to understand the whole chapter, and he's. It's not written as a direct instruction. That's more of uh, that's he's telling a story. That's more of a poem in that part of the book. And I and I just sit back and watch him flail." because there's only so much that you can spit out in like two or three minutes and you look ridiculous when you're trying to do it. So it's a very easy attack point. So now I understand it. And now, you know, now my, now my former allies have a price on my head because I know exactly what they do. <laughs> Let's carry on with the pro-abortion. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? Well, I think that it's up to you. Same. Because... I feel supported by that. <laughs> I believe that like life begins when a person has a baby. Oh. Clearly, like some people believe that life begins at conception. Which yeah. it doesn't. But, <laughs> do you know what conception? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you when know about sperm enters an egg. Into the egg. It when. becomes a fetus, and then the fetus. I think life does begin at the point of conception. And. I never used to. And do you know what? It changed for me when I realized that um, when I started growing my own vegetables. Because when I planted a seed, it would eventually become a plant. 
and it would harvest. I could harvest fruit from it, or harvest uh, leaves from it, harvest vegetables. And it was like at the point of putting that seed in the ground, it became life. Because if the seed is not in the ground, then it's not life. But if I put that seed in the ground and leave it there, life comes. So if I reach into the dirt and pull out that seed, I am stopping life from occurring. Like I am stopping the continuation of life from that point. The second you put the seed in the ground and cover it with dirt, you're expecting something to grow from that point. And if you reach into the dirt and pluck that seed from the dirt and take it and throw it in the bin, then you have effectively ended life because life began for that seed, for that, for that plant, for that tree, the second you put it in the dirt and covered it. That's when it started to become life. That's when it started to become a plant, the second you put it in the dirt. It didn't start before you put it in the dirt. It only started after you put it in the dirt. And so a human life only starts at the point of conception. It doesn't start before it and it doesn't start after it. Because without the, point of conce- without the moment of conception, there can be no life. So that's the point. I find it amazing that people argue over the fringes on this stuff. They always try to turn it into, oh, let's, what about a heartbeat and what about this and what about that? doesn't matter. That is the moment where life begins is the point of conception. And if you end it after that point, well, that's fine. If that's your choice, if that's what you want to do, by all means. But don't try to tell me that it's not stopping life because there was no life before it and there can be no life without it. That's where life begins, the moment of conception. It's in a lady's tummy. Yes, sir. Or in the womb. It's not really a human being yet. I kind That's of, how I feel. Yeah, I kind of like to compare it to like a sea cucumber. It's not thinking, it's just <laughs> living. It's like your arm is not capable of complex thought. Neither is a baby inside your, your womb. I like your take. At any point where you like considering... I like a take, see, <clears throat> the poor kid. If it's not capable of complex thought, then it can't be a baby. Yeah, babies are really capable of complex thought, aren't they? Eat shit, spew, eat shit, spew, cry, eat shit, spew, suck dummy, eat shit, spew, cry. That's very complex. Very complex. I missed a comment there. The legal system has divergent legal clauses over the unborn. It's murder in all cases other. Notice the happy background music minimizes the gravity of these creepy combos. Yeah, but that's that's a very famous tune. That isn't that isn't that called something like the dance of the sugar plum fairy or something? I'll I'll look I'll I'll see if that's what it is. Dance of the Okay, I'm just putting in Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. Let's see what comes up. Tchaikovsky. Let's see if this is it. Ah, oh, no, I'm close. Okay, I was close, but it's not the same. But it is one of those types of songs. 
not doing it? No, actually, for me, it was like an instant feeling. Like I was like, I'm pregnant. Okay, I'm having an abortion. Was your family mad or okay? They were okay. Yeah, they were like really supportive, which I think was another reason I wasn't scared is because I knew that I had so much support. Have you told a lot of people or just your close family? I told my Lyft driver on my way here. (laughs) (laughs) I've told so many people about my abortion. So I decided to tell everyone <laughs> Niederheim, on Facebook that I'd had. Niederheim rather cruelly says, if people can be killed because they can't do complex thought, then all lefties can be killed. <laughs> That's not necessarily true. And I know you're only making a joke, but let me give you um, a little bit of a red pill here. A lot of leftism is based in Darwinism, and Darwinism is based in hyper-rationality. And hyper-rationality is everything is a struggle for power. So, you know, like Darwinism's fundamental uh, principle is if there are two organisms living side by side and one organism can obtain more resources, then that organism will eventually grow and then kill the other one or absorb the other one. So a lot of like left-wing politics is based in, you know, the the strongest survive, you know, and you've got to have the will to survive and only the strong shall survive. This is why you see communist dictatorships in, you know, the 20th century brutally eliminate all of their opponents, um, rule with an iron fist because they think that is the natural order of um, life, like that, that the, the, the strongest, most dominant entity shall reign, you know, and the weak should be put to death. The weak need to be eliminated from the gene pool and stuff like that. And that's why they eliminate Christians because, you know, in the Soviet Union, for example, they burned down the churches, they massacred the Christians, they tried to eliminate the Christian faith because the Christians were like, hey, no, everybody gets a chance at this. You can't just go go around killing people you see as weak, you know, um, you know, my, what is it? Whatever you do unto the least of my brothers, that you do unto me, right? You know, you protect the weak, you protect the meek. So... Um, a lot of it's based in, you know, that's, that's like, uh, have you ever, if you ever get a chance, look up scientific socialism and it'll blow your hair back. So uh, like to say that, I'm, I, I know you were only joking, but this is another thing too. I, I dislike the meme that all people on the left are stupid. Actually, there's a lot of highly super intelligent people on the left and they are very dangerous and very good at what they do. And um, I'm not one for... Um, disrespecting my opponents because arguably that's what happened to Donald Trump and he got in because they didn't pay him respect because they didn't, they didn't respect the skills and he owned them. And I'm not about to make that same mistake. You know what I mean? And, you know, a lot of people on the left, are, you know, hyper intelligent, hyper rational, very cold and, you know, they'll do whatever it takes to win. Trust me. But I, I, in saying that, I know you were only joking. So, Sam, you're not dangerous. You're lovable. You're a teddy bear. I had an abortion and that I was choosing to tell people that because I felt like the pro-choice movement was really silent. The status update went viral, yeah. which like wasn't just people being like, hey, I had an abortion too. Yay, let's talk about it. There were like a lot of super angry people who were like super angry people and abusing and threatening me. I like to post controversial things. I think everyone should, within reason, we can do lobotomies. I'll, I'll I'll go with you know, lobotomy. We can I, do I'll that. post on Facebook sometimes, like just a your friendly actually, reminder actually, that abortion is no, murder. No, 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 no. 
if we do a lobotomy, then we're going to have to spend a lot of money on, again, dribble bibs. Because if we do a lobotomy, then what are we going to do with them after that? Right? Then they're going to be a drain on the economy. Unless we can bring, <clears throat> maybe we can get them to erect like, you know, a new pyramid of Giza. So they can just lug rocks around and stuff and drool, then then we can do lobotomy. But as long as they're in some kind of employment that doesn't require any thinking, then that'll be fine. That's exactly why they believe the planet is overpopulated, hyper-rational, yes. I can't see y'all's comments, even though I see mine, so forgive me for not. So pro-abortion activists, ac- advocates are never literally heard. Yes, Stefan, Stefan's picked up on it. Yeah, my voice wasn't getting out there. Not enough people in modern society support abortion, and I just wanted to put my voice out there with a bunch of kids and write a book about it. <laughs> Have you ever been like attacked online by pro-life people? Yes, but I don't call them pro-life. I call them anti-choice because who would disagree with that statement, right? Like being pro-life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like you want people to live their oh, lives. I think that's yeah. a fair point, to me, Sam. The phrase that would pro-life be one is propaganda be because often the people that say further, that I think that's don't want to take, take care of people who have babies that they can't afford and then are totally poor. They want to deprive people of access to healthcare. And I'm just like, that's not, you guys aren't pro-life. I'm pro-life. Do you think it's possible to be anti-choice for yourself, but pro-choice for others? Yeah. Everyone has a different background with like faith and just how they think about the world, how they think about when life begins. Is it an arm? Is it a sea cucumber? Is it a baby? Yeah. Um, yeah. We know that you think it's an arm. At the end of the day, it's my body, and the idea that a group of like old white dudes, white dudes in the government. Would- there you go. There it is. The idea that a group of old white dudes in the government. Ah, you were doing so well up until then. You were doing so well. Speaking of old white dudes, new Trump administration policy would make racism okay as long as you don't mean it. While America is engaged in a heated debate about the border wall and the government shutdown, at least three cabinet-level departments inside the Trump administration have been quietly investigating how they could roll back a particularly important legal precedent that prevents discrimination in housing, employment, policing, and even education. The Washington Post reports that the Department of Justice recently issued an internal memo directing top civil rights officials inside the DOJ to examine how disparate impact regulations can be changed or removed. Similar efforts are also underway at the Department of Education as well as the uh, Department of Housing and Urban Development. If you're not uh, familiar with the concept of disparate impact, sometimes called adverse impact or disproportionate impact, allow me to explain the concept with another more appropriate synonym, structural racism. Ah, so the Trump administration is trying to eliminate uh, the protocol of trying to manoeuvre around structural racism without any, without any evidence being presented for the fact. It sounds like a fucking miracle to me. While most people have been led to believe that racism has something to do with hate, intent or belief, that is not the case. Legally, a policy, rule, or action can be declared discriminatory even if the rule or policy itself doesn't have any discriminatory intent. Are you, are you following along at home? Are you seeing the kinds of... Pro, it's death by protocol. 
Nobody was elected on this platform. These are things that bureaucrats do in their spare time to fuck you. If an action has disproportionately negative effect on a legally protected group of people, then it is illegal, even if it's not intended to discriminate. Remember, there's levels of racism. Don Lemon told us so. The concept is simple. <laughs> I like that. The concept is simple. So if, if, you, if you don't agree with it, you must be an idiot. Even if a thing is not meant to be racist, it is still racist if it systematically affects a protected class of people. It was enshrined in Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and has stood as a bedrock principle and the legal test for prejudice ever since. Here's my issue with this, and as a non-American, I would be happy to hear counter-arguments. I want to know more about this disproportionate negative effect on a legally protected group of people. <clears throat> because I would have thought, here, here they say it again, this is where, the con- listen to this, the concept is simple. Even if a thing is not meant to be racist, it is still racist if it systematically affects a protected class of people. Can somebody tell me who the protected class of people were? Because I thought under the system of common law, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, everybody is a legally protected person. In theory. So I didn't know that there were legally protected groups of people. I didn't know that there were protected classes of people. I didn't know that certain people had certain legal protections that other people do not. I thought that that goes against the whole point of a legal process in the first place. I mean, the reason that it's called common law is that it is common for everyone, everybody, every group of people, every individual. You know, the laws apply equally to everybody. That's why it is common law. It is not a group of it's not a set of laws for this group of people and a set of laws for that group of people. It is common law. We all live under the same laws. Sorry, Kimmy, I missed you. I'm still taking deep breaths over here. Borg, I have no idea what you're talking about now. Okay. <laughs> well, there are apparently protected classes of people and legally protected groups of people and i think i'm going to cut lucifer sam off here at the bow and suggest that he is 100 percent on board with me and say that the biggest mistake that the democrats have probably done in the last 30 or 40 years is constructing protected groups and protected glasses uh, classes of people and i think as a democrat even lucifer sam would 100 percent agree with that statement that is the biggest fuck up that the democrats could have done in the last 30 years They protected groups, uh, they created protected groups of people, and now that, you know, that strategy is coming back to bite them in the ass big time. I only read your dummy comments tonight, just tonight. <laughs> Despite what the he ain't done nothing for us crowd would have you believe, Barack Obama's often used the concept to address many racial disparities. The Education Secretary issued a Dear Colleague letter to schools that punished black kids more harshly than white kids, warning them that they could be sued for discrimination. It's how the Obama Justice Department forced sweeping changes in Ferguson 
police department that dis- disproportionately ticketed black drivers. The Obama administration took a housing case all the way to the Supreme Court to fight housing discrimina- housing discrimination. Housing discrimination, like it's a thing. Like it's an actual thing. Housing discrimination? No, there's just housing. Some people live in nice houses and some people live in shitholes. Get over it. It's no housing discrimination. If you want to live in a nice house, earn more money. <laughs> if you if you flash a gold credit card at the real estate agent, there ain't going to be no housing discrimination, no matter how black you are, brother. Sorry, sorry to sorry to drop the bomb on you. <clears throat> if you've got if you've got cash to flash, they're not going to discriminate against you. Sorry, it's just the truth. If you waltz into the real estate agent and say, "Give me the fucking, give me the suite overlooking the harbour with the four bedrooms and the spa bath on the roof," doesn't matter what colour you are. If you put the cash on the desk, they're going to say, "Here's the keys. Here's the keys. Here's the contract. Sign up. We can't. We can't wait to get you into this apartment." Housing discrimination comes down to money, not race. I mean, real estate, what, real estate agents are prejudiced now? Please. Real estate agents are like a half a tick above, you know, used car salesmen. They're sharks, man. Real estate agents need commissions. They're they're not going to put people in houses that they can't afford because then they don't get paid. They're not going to waste time unless you look like, you know what? Here's a fun trick that people in my area used to do. There was a really big... um, Car sales, uh, car, car seller in Sydney that used to have like Ferraris, Lamborghinis, and every now and then these group of you know eighteen, nineteen year old boys would dress up in their finest suits and go down there and look like they own the shit, and you would get to test drive a Ferrari for a couple of hours. If you look like you got the money, they'll do whatever it takes to make the sale. Even get dropped off at the place in a fucking limo if you have to. You can cruise around in a Lamborghini for an hour or two. Okay. Here's a very disturbing story. Hacienda Healthcare CEO steps down following deeply troubling vegetative birthing case. We've just done a, we've done abortion. Now let's do birthing in comas. The CEO of an American nursing home has stepped down after a woman who had been in a coma for 10 years gave birth. I don't mean to laugh, but this is some seriously fucking weird shit. Now police are desperately trying to find who caused the deeply troubling pregnancy. The case of an American woman who gave birth in a vegetative state has prompted the resignation of the CEO of a private health facility where she was in care. Hacienda Healthcare CEO Bill Timmons stepped down on Monday... Spokesman David Leibowitz said the decision was unanimously accepted by the provider's board of directors. The troubling case in the U.S. state of Arizona, see, Arizona is like, Arizona is a tick above Florida at this point. There is something fucking going on in Arizona. Has put a spotlight on the safety of long-term care settings for patients who are severely disabled or incapacitated. Like, I mean, look at the juxtaposition here. On one hand, we have a living, breathing, walking around, conscious, awake woman 
who gets pregnant and can't wait to abort it so she can write a book about it and tell children about how good abortion is. On the other hand, we have a woman in a coma who gets pregnant without even fucking knowing it. <laughs> if you were that baby, just just say mum wakes up. Mum wakes up. You've been born. Ten years from now, mum wakes up. Imagine asking mum. <laughs> Imagine asking mum. You know, who's dad? Well, I, th- I dream. I, I had a dream about somebody. It's horrendous. Somebody had a sex with a woman in a coma and got her pregnant. I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't even know that was, I didn't even know you could do that. Actually, I've just come to the realization that we probably don't want this story getting out because there's probably a lot of really edgy, really creepy guys out there that look like pedophiles that are now thinking, wait, you can get, you can get women in coma pregnant? Shit. I, I best head down to the hospital then. Like, that is so weird. Local news website azfamily.com first reported the woman who had been in a vegetative state for more than 10 years after a near drowning gave birth to a baby on December 29. That is insane. Her identity has not been reported and it's not known if she has a family or guardian. They don't even know. They don't even know if she has a family or not. It's also unclear if staff members at the Hacienda de Los Angeles facility were unaware of the pregnancy until birth. If, if, shit. If your health professionals at your hospital, at your health facility, are unaware of you being pregnant when you're in a coma for 10 years, like they don't notice your belly expanding, it's time to move that staff on. It is time, it is time to wake up from your coma and get the hell out of there. <laughs> We don't know if the staff were aware that she was pregnant or not. Well, what the fuck are your staff doing? Like, just because she's in a coma, you still have to go in there and you still have to wipe. You still have to change the sheets and stuff, don't you? Like, wasn't somebody doing something? Like, even the janitor, even the guy mopping the floor would have noticed the bedsheet getting closer to the roof. Surely. Like, he used to mop on one side of the bed and be able to see out the window, and now he mops on one side of the bed and sees only belly. He must have, didn't he go into the nurse's office and say, hey, I think you need to come and have a look at this. For some reason, this person is expanding in the midsection. I think you need to come in and do something about this. Nobody, nobody did. Nobody cared. They didn't even know she was pregnant. Arizona, ladies and gentlemen, Arizona. Arizona is next to Florida for states to avoid. See, low taxes. They got low taxes in Arizona and Florida, apparently. Everyone's moving to Arizona and Florida for the low taxes. In Florida, you've got middle-aged women riding tricycles robbing postmen. And in, in Arizona, you've got women in comas for 10 years giving birth. All of a sudden, I'm a socialist. All of a sudden, I'm now like, no, let the government fund this shit. High taxes for everybody. If the, low, if the two things that these states have in common is low taxes, fucking tax me up, man. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. <laughs> Wow. All right. Um, I thought it was time to check in again with my favorite drag queen show called Spillin' the Tea. 
in regards to gender pronouns and trans representation in entertainment. Um, bearing in mind what we learned about Don Lemon earlier, and he, you know, as a gay man, he he understood that he had to check his own homophobia. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with this show, you're going to get familiar. This is probably the greatest show on YouTube right now. Spilling the tea with Bob the drag queen and the other drag queens there. So this will be fun. Check this out. I don't know why hey they spill the tea. Nijia and I'm here spilling the motherfucking tea with all these queens, girls. How you doing? Hey, nice. Are you guys nice and warmed up, steamy, ready? Yeah. 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 I don't want. <laughs> I want very, very blunt. I'm quite partial to Bob, which is uh, the black the black woman in the middle there, who's built like a linebacker, and Ms. Peppermint. Ms. Peppermint is the one wearing the big purple eyeglasses. I'm quite partial to both of them. I would I would buy them a drink, but see. This this one comes on you very quickly, pardon the pun. So the the title is Gender Pronouns and Trans Representation in Entertainment. And you know how, do, do you remember, we were talking about it before, that clip of the person in the, in the store that said, call me ma'am, you called me sir. And then that person um, kicked a display cabinet and sent, you know, products flying everywhere. And it said, I demand your corporate number and stuff. Do you remember that? And it was a big person. And this person was like, you know, you call me ma'am, not sir. How dare you kind of thing. Fuck you. So I was, I was very interested. Listen very carefully to the opening line of this show. Because remember, we don't want people to get misgendered, do we? Like we don't want get people to get misgendered because apparently misgendering is bad. But remember what Don Lemon said, sometimes a joke is just a joke. And I'm guessing too, sometimes the setting is important. As well, I can see this whole thing crumbling very shortly. Hey, you guys, it's me, Gia, and I'm here spilling the. Did you hear it? Do you want to hear it one more time? Who heard it? Let's do it one more time. Remember, it's wrong to misgender people. Hey, you guys, it's me, Gia, and I'm here spilling the motherfucking tea with... She just said, hey, you guys. All these queens, girls, how you doing? Hey. Are you guys nice and warmed up, steamy? She said it again. Are you guys nice and warmed up and steamy? Guys, that's gendered. That's male. This fucking bitch is homophobic. Sorry. Sorry. She needs to check her internal fucking homophobia, man. I am, I am so triggered right now. This bitch here, this woman here, this this bitch of a woman here just said, hey, guys, assuming everybody's gender. Fuck you. That is offensive. Queens, girls, how you doing? Hey, hey. Are you guys nice and warmed up, steamy, ready? Yeah. 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 I don't want, <laughs> I want very blunt and upfront type of 
answers, okay? Because that's the type of Except bitch I am. Except you say really love So we're just going to get started. We know. <laughs> I date like them. She likes smoking blessed getting deep. No, the, the boys are I'm calling corporate, Jennifer. Me. I'm calling corporate. Well, um. we've all heard differently. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know your guys' literal again, again, celebrity crush. Stop calling me a guy. Obviously, I'm a girl. Fuck you. Stop calling me a guy. I'm a girl. I'm clearly a woman. I'm sick of you bitches misgendering me. I am clearly a woman. Look at me. Stop calling me a fucking guy. Stop it. Give me your corporate number. Give me your fucking corporate number right now. You just called me a guy three times. Fuck you. I'm clearly a woman. Where's the outrage? Where is the outrage? Right? Location, location, location. Sometimes it's cool and sometimes it's not, apparently. Thankfully for us, Don Lemon has come to the realisation. Maybe we should play it again for the people who came in late. Thankfully for us, Don Lemon has come to the realisation that, yes, people have a right. People have that right to say, no, you're not a victim. If you missed the start of the show, please go back and watch it. It was profound. It was profound what we learned about Don Lemon tonight. And you know what? I'm not I'm not even joking here. I am so fucking proud of Don Lemon right now. Like I couldn't be I couldn't be prouder. I'm so happy for Don Lemon. I'm so I'm I'm like there is a dialogue that can take place now. He 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 red pilled himself through logic. And it was like we were watching it happen and it was like it was like watch it was like watching Michelangelo paint a masterpiece. It was fantastic. And I was in awe, and I, and I feel blessed having seen it. That's how good it was. If you missed it, go back and watch it. First ever? First ever. I don't know who my ever. was. It was Christy Yamaguchi. Shut up. Wow. Yeah, I remember just watching figure skating what? and then seeing... Oh, typical racist. Um, black chick has a thing for Asian chicks. Black drag queen has a thing for Asian chicks. Who would have thunk it? So racist. I remember just watching figure skating and then seeing Christy Yamaguchi on the screen. And I was like, wow, she is so beautiful. And I walked up to the screen. I kissed the screen. And then the... the, Is uh, that why you were just trying to touch my hand? Exactly. (laughs) And the TV shocked my lips. And now I'm gay. (laughs) And that is a true story. I am gay now. I am gay in general. But I remember going to kiss Christy Yamaguchi like, oh my gosh, she's so pretty. And then the static shocked my lips. See, Bob the drag queen in the blue top here is now conflicted because he was attracted to an Asian woman. Oh wait, wait, did I just did I just do the wrong thing? Sorry guys. Sorry guys. Sorry guys. Sorry guys. I, I thought Bob was attracted to Asian women. Sorry guys. I didn't mean to offend you guys. I wouldn't do that, guys. No way. That's not like me, guys. I would never misgender anyone, guys. Ever. Hey, guys. How you doing? How you doing? All right. New York Times apologizes for including racial slur in crossword puzzle. It is simply not acceptable. 
Did you guys see this? Guys, girls, whatever. Fuck. I can't keep up. The New York Times apologizes for uh, apologized for including a racial slur beaner in a cross, in a crossword puzzle on Tuesday as the editor responsible said his staff lives in rarefied circles and was therefore oblivious that the word is considered offensive. You don't say journalists live in rarefied circles at the New York Times strike me down with a feather. I had no idea. Bina is often used as a derogatory... I love how they explain it. <laughs> it's it's so offensive, yet we must explain it and repeat the term ad nauseum. <laughs> Bina is often used as a derogatory slur for people of Mexican descent. The team has been used uh, the term has been used in pop culture including the 1980 film Cheech and Chong's next movie. If these psychopaths try to censor Cheech and Chong, I will officially go postal. I'm not even lying. The clue in Tuesday's puzzle was pitch to the head informally. Yeah, because if you throw it at someone's head, it's a beaner, right? Tuesday's, this was the quote, a Times spokesman, a Times spokesperson told Foxy. So we have to put spokesperson in, even though we know it was a guy. But we can print Beena five times without <laughs> fucking hell. It's the modern the modern society's just fucked in the head. Who knows what's a le- like? Who who knows what's offensive now? I don't even know. I don't. Even, everything is or nothing is at the same time simultaneously. It's like two concurrent realities that you know occasionally cross paths and piss on each other. Tuesday's crossword puzzle included an entry that was offensive and hurtful. It is simply not acceptable in the New York Times crossword, and we apologize for including it. But it's a baseball term. Come on. It's a baseball term. If you had a mole working on your staff, you'd be afraid of using the term dugout. I am very sorry for the distraction about Beena in today's fine puzzle by Gary C. Shorts wrote, Neither Joel nor I had ever heard this slur before, and I don't know anyone who would use it. Maybe we lived in rarefied circles. There you go. Um, let me give you this one. I We're going to get to the sex dolls, but first you've got to see, like, let's tee it up with this. <laughs> Remember when the feminists just listened to Tori Amos and went barefoot everywhere? I do, Lucifer. Those were the days. Those were the fucking days, man. You look back, and even back then, you know, guys like you and I would have said, yeah, you know, they're a bit feminist. They put flowers, you know, everywhere, and they're, they like dolphins. They're obsessed with dolphins and stuff. But you know what? I'd, I'd still fuck them, right? But now you, can, you, you, you would never say that about a modern feminist now, never. Like back then you would have said, yeah, they got some socialist tendencies, but they walk around barefoot. They wear, you know, uh, knitted skirts. They have flowers everywhere and they love dolphins and they listen to Tori Amos. That's that's okay. I can take that kind of feminism. That's fine. But nowadays it's like, mm, 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 mm. put up a biohazard sign around that thing. <laughs> that's incredibly sexist, isn't it? <laughs> you know, apologize. I apologize. It is. I, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry the first show of 2019 we've got to start on a high newsreader mocked for wearing penis jacket on tv people can't unsee it james often says this is my most favorite term once you see it you can't unsee it i do say that a lot once you see it you can't unsee it 
So, okay. So, newsreader mocked for wearing penis jacket on TV. Do you want to see the reveal of the penis jacket that she wore on TV? Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Here's the penis jacket. (laughs) It's insane. (laughs) Yes. I still love that Beavis and Butthead humor has a place. Look at that. That is a that is a penis. That is a penis. Screenshot that shit. I'll give you a moment to screenshot that. You know I want you from the start. I'm blind, blind. And there's no use for you thinking. You'll never change my mind. You won't ever make it better. It only wastes our time, time, time. I'm gonna leave you like you found me. Flying, blind. There you go. Everyone's got it. <laughs> Look at her face too. The fact is, the beautiful part about her is is the smile, and she doesn't realise. Oh man, it's perfect. A newsreader has caught the attention of people online with a rather striking green jacket. Anchor Samantha Heathwood wore the smart item on Australia's Channel Nine Australia this week, and viewers were taken back by the unusual shape of her collar. <laughs> As many say, it resembles a penis. No, people don't say it resembles a penis. It resembles a penis. The collar is rounded at the shoulders and then extends much further in the middle where there is a zip, which is obviously hilarious. To make matters worse, the placement of her top underneath isn't exactly... Pardon me, it's getting late. Isn't exactly helping the look either. Perfect. I think it's perfect. The picture of Samantha has been shared widely online with uh, viewers joking that it was a dick move for the channel to make her wear it. It's not the first time. Apparently, five years ago, another newsreader wore the same jacket. Look. The same one. Same channel. So, the explanation was, uh, someone said, someone in the wardrobe department, probably, it's been a couple of years, no one will notice. There you go. Penis jackets. All right. Uh, I've got one Trump clip for you, and then we'll get to the European sex dolls, and then we'll get to your Twitter comments. I'm keeping you late. It's a bit of a marathon tonight. We've been on fire. All right. Here's a short one. Watch him, though, explain his concerns about American involvement in the Middle East. We have an area that I brought up with our generals four or five weeks ago where Taliban is here, ISIS is here, and they're fighting each other. I said, why don't you let them fight? Why are we getting in the middle of it? I said, let them fight. They're both our enemies. Let them fight. Sir, we want to do it. They go in and they end up fighting both of them. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I think I would have been a good general, but who knows? (laughs) What's your reaction? 
So narrowly, I think when the president's speaking there, he's missing the idea that presumably if somewhere in Afghanistan, ISIS and the Taliban are up against each other, that if they just fight each other to the death, that's going to solve the broader problems in Afghanistan. Clearly, No, 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 no. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. And you bloody well know that's not what he said. And if you don't know that's not what he said, then you shouldn't be on fucking television. It is basic, simple logic that if you have two enemies and you are one, you are one person and you have two enemies, you want you, you the ideal situation is to make your enemies fight each other. This has been known in war since ancient fucking Rome. You make the tribes fight each other, and then after half of the winning tribe has been decimated and the, the entirety of the other tribe has been decimated, then you come in and you sweep them up. Like, these fucking idiots think that they're smarter. These, these idiots think they're doing something profound here. What Trump is saying is actually 100% correct. Another guy goes on and says, oh, maybe you should read a book or something. It's written in every war book that's ever been written. Ev- ever. Strategy, right? Sun Tzu stuff, right? Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. There are three people in the fight. You want you, the best possible scenario is you make the other two people fight each other. They are going to kill each other. This this happens. I'm sorry to reference poker, but this happens in poker too. You'll be in a three way hand, and you know that these two players are going to go at each other. So you just do whatever you've got to do to stay in the hand. And when the two players have put so much money in the pot, you've got the winning hand. Then you just push all in and sit back, and they they don't know what to do. You might not even have the winning hand. You've just been playing passively. But they've been raising, 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 and then you just go, bang. I'm like, I'm going to take this pot. I'm going to take this pot down. Because these two guys are more preoccupied with each other than they are with the play. These two guys are more concerned with what each other are doing than what I'm doing. And that's exactly what I want. That's where I want them to be. I want them to be fighting each other, not fighting me. I don't want them fighting me. I just want to win. <laughs> There's a difference. Game theory, exactly. Jennifer Briggs, you guys are you guys are amazing. You know this shit. So Trump is a hundred percent bang on the money, and these idiots get on here and said, "Oh, if he thinks that the ISIS and Taliban fighting each other is going to solve Afghanistan's problems, nobody he didn't say anything about solving Afghanistan's problems. Did you? I want you to watch this clip again and see if Donald Trump says anything about. These two people fighting each other is going to solve Afghanistan's problems. Can, can you begin to see why people are frustrated with this bullshit thing we call news? Involvement in the Middle East. We have an area that I brought up with our generals four or five weeks ago where Taliban is here, ISIS is here, and they're fighting each other. I said, why don't you let them fight? Why are we getting in the middle of it? I said, let them fight. They're both our enemies. Let them fight. Sir, we want to do it. They go in and and they end up fighting both of them. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I think I would have been a good general, but who knows? What's your reaction? So So, the other thing to consider here is in politics, you always try to hijack your opponent's positive and turn it into a negative, right? 
you always person like your opponent is always trying to turn your positive traits into negative traits. So if Donald Trump is um, positively viewed as pro-American, then you want to make nationalism bad, right? And if you know on your side, you want to turn your negative traits into positive traits. So if your negative trait is you shoot from the hip and you speak unscripted, then you want to make that a positive by saying, well, he has no filters on him. You know, he just says what he thinks. Do you see what I'm saying? It's all about presentation. It's all about framing on both sides. So the Democrats are constantly, and using their apparatchiks in the corporate press, they're, they're trying to frame him here as, you know, ignorant. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But, but obviously what he said here is, you know, 100% logical, it's 100% true, and it's been written about for thousands of fucking years as a successful war strategy. So you're trying, you go way over the top to turn it into a negative, right? These are the, met, this is metagame stuff. So let's carry on. Let's hear what these idiots have to say. Narrowly, I think when the president's speaking there, he's missing the idea that presumably if somewhere in Afghanistan, ISIS and the Taliban are up against each other, that if they just fight each other to the death, that's going to solve the broader problems in Afghanistan. Clearly, that's not the case. Clearly, there are more than just combatants involved. There are civilians. There's there's the Afghanistan government to consider. More broadly, Wolf, I think the there's, problem is that the president, again, is addressing... I, lo- I love that. There's the Afghan government to consider. When when did we ever consider the fucking Afghan government? <laughs> oh, we must consider the Afghan government. Why? Because we've been over there for 15 fucking years? Is that what, what now, all of a sudden, today, today is the day. Today is the day we listen to the Afghan government, Okay. All of those Marines guarding the poppy fields, all of the Moabs that we've dropped, all of the caves that we've raided, all of the Taliban that we've wiped out, you know, up and right today. All right, right now. Now, okay, let's turn to the Afghan government and see what they have to say about this. Let's consider them for a change. Yeah, okay, bravo. Bravo, son. Well done, well done. That's that's also under the illusion that there is a government in Afghanistan. There's no government in Afghanistan. There is no government. There there are governments that you know have leaders that go to the UN, but the reality is on the ground. And here's the other thing: they're going to try to insult Donald Trump, say he doesn't know what he's talking about and stuff. He knows this stuff. There are no governments, real governments in these areas. It's all tribal affiliations, tribal affiliations, and family affiliations. That's the way this part of the world works. It's not a democracy. There is no government. There are people who say that they're a government and that the world media says this is the leader of Afghanistan. But in reality, that leader controls the palace. And the palace extends to the palace grounds and maybe parts of the city that the palace is in. The rest of the land is run by warlords or family leaders or tribes, and everybody knows it. Everybody fucking knows it, except CNN, except CNN for some reason. Like, I, I, I don't even know how people can't understand this shit. You, this part of the world is born out of Bedouin culture. Do people aren't even know what a Bedouin is? Bedouins were nomads. It is a nomadic culture. It's like Genghis Khan back in the day. The Bedouin tribesmen, and um, and I'm not saying that everyone now is a Bedouin tribesman, but that's where their system of governance comes from. 
like our system of governance comes from monarchy, which led to, you know, renaissance, which led to enlightenment and et cetera, and, you know, common law and all of that. That was our progression. That's not their progression. Their progression is warlords ruling over sand dunes, which were run by Bedouin tribesmen. So they went on a different path. It's like sliding doors. It's like, oh, let's consider, let's consider the government of Afghanistan. There is no government of Afghanistan, you fucking twerp. This guy probably gets like $200,000 a year to say this shit on TV. What a tremendous waste of money. You're worried about wasting $5 billion on the wall. If you collected up all of these hacks and put them into a bucket and said, okay, we're not paying any of these people anymore to say this absolute rubbish on television, you would probably save double $5 billion worldwide we would have walls we would have walls from here to the moon and back a guy could walk to the moon on the wall on a staircase we would build up to the moon and then back again with the amount of money we would save from paying these people who know absolutely nothing about what they're talking about as as if things And, and why is it a common peasant like me with a high school education knows this stuff and you don't. That, like, this is the most insulting part about watching cable news. It's not that they're lying. It's not that it's, it's that they think that they know. And you can be somebody with a very, very, very average level of education and watch it and know that they're wrong. Like not, not think that they're wrong. You know that they're wrong. Like, and not even close you can watch this guy and say, this guy is a fucking idiot. He, he, he's, he's either lying or he's making it up or he has no idea what he's talking about. And, and you know it. And you can cite references and you can cite history and you can explain why he's wrong. That's the insulting part. That's the insulting part about fake news. It's, it's the audacity of it. The chutzpah started when he became president. The reason that we're in Afghanistan, and there are arguments for getting out, but one of the arguments for staying in is that if we could have gotten out, we would have gotten Jeffrey, you think he would have been a good general, but who knows? I would say I'd be on the who knows part of that uh, equation. You know, it is so uh, unbelievable. I mean, you know, the... the Listen to this guy, Jeffrey Tubin. I've seen him before. I've seen his work. I've seen this guy's work before. Um, Sam says the free market destroyed news. Honestly, yeah, of course, because government-funded news is what we want, brother. Uh- <laughs> we should have, we should have, we should have state-funded news, and then all of our problems will be solved. So, Jeffrey Tube, <laughs> that's what we have now. Jeffrey Tubin, um, this this guy's a character. Listen to his expl- he doesn't actually say anything. It is just uh, it's about sixty seconds of insults. And again, even you know, even devout Democrats in the chat know that what Trump said is a hundred percent correct. But you watch what this they these are the this is the level this is the level of argument you're getting on CNN. Characters like this that you drudge up. Out of like you know, have you ever emptied a have you ever have you ever emptied a deep fryer at a hamburger place? 
I have. I have. I've got the scars to show it, like on my arms and stuff, when you, you know, it splashes on you far, far too early before it's cooled enough. And the fucking hot, the hot oil gets all over you. Oh, fuck. And you run around and everyone laughs at you. I've done that. But when you drudge the deep fryer at a hamburger place, there is this, there's this black sludge at the bottom and you don't even know what food it used to be. Like it's parts of hamburgers, it's parts of onions, it's parts of mushrooms. It is just a cacophony of tragedy. It is, it is the collective waste of 10 years worth of meals that have been served and nobody, it looks like it's already been eaten. And like, that's where this guy comes from with his analysis. That's, that's this level of analysis. Like, it's going to burn you if you reach into it, but if you actually stand back and look at it, it's going to be black sludge that is completely inedible and you couldn't possibly swallow it even if somebody paid you to. James says, when two guys fight over a girl, I take her to the bar and buy her a drink, a la Boogie Bob. <laughs> stop, stop, stop revealing my tricks. <laughs> equation. You know, it is so unbelievable. I mean, you're going to you ruin, the, you're going to ruin my uh, setup, bro. It's not like most presidents have read a book before they became president and know something about the, the history of the region or they listen to people or they read briefing papers. The idea that the whole story there is ISIS and Taliban fighting each other and let's just leave. It is is so incredible ah. that it, it, it it's really hard to know how how to address it. The other point <laughs> is, it's I I mean the claim is so incredible I don't even know how to address it. So moving on. <laughs> At that point, if you if you were a, a journalist with integrity and ethics, like Wolf Blitzer, I think used to have once upon a time. But if I'm sitting in Wolf Blitzer's chair, I would say, "Hang on, hang on, hang on. Why is it incredible? You can't just say it's incredible without justifying that statement. You have to provide some reason why you think that. Like, I don't know how to answer that is not an argument. You know, you." <laughs> You don't get a pass in a math exam. Like if someone asks you two plus two and you say to them, my God, the question two plus two is so ridiculous. I don't even know how to answer it. You don't get a pass for that. That's not a pass. The the teacher slaps you across the back of the head and, and keeps you back a year. They put you in remedial school. Like this is not intelligent analysis. That's nothing. That's nothing. That's, you may as well just sit there and breathe. It would be the same value. You, you've added the same worth to the collective intelligence of human of humanity at that point. You know what? This claim is so ridiculous, I don't even know how to address it. Moving on. Oh, great point. Great point. Did you see, do you see how he owned Trump then? Do you see how he owned him? It's incredible. But this shit just passes through. People just absorb it. They think they know stuff. <laughs> It's insane. Isolationism, like letting the rest of the... I've been saying this for a while. We've never been so smart. Yeah, I mean, look at what we're doing in the medical world, in, you know, science, in, you know, space and war machinery and 
everything. We've never had so much access to information ever before in human history, ever. We have never been so intelligent collectively as a species, but at the same time, we have never been so stupid. It's, it's like the eternal paradox. The smarter we, it's, it's literally, the smarter we get, the dumber we get. Right? The world go to hell. That has a deep and enduring appeal in the United States. And a lot of people will listen to that very truncated history and think, you know what? The hell with them all. Let's just leave. So and that's he that's a nothing. distinguished pedigree. You worked in national security during the Obama administration? Well, simply what the president said is just nonsense, nonsense. And we can sit here and try to ascertain some kind of logic to what he said. But what is very clear here is that he's not listening to anybody that works for him. We have a national security advisor that I hope is trying to breathe. Ah, this is very important because this speaks to the narrative that um, there are people in and around the president's orbit who are doing their best to control him. This is the former Obama administration official on on the subject of what was she national security or something like that foreign relations doesn't matter doesn't matter they're all puppets so here's what her opinion is of what Donald Trump should do she said it's just nonsense but the main thing is he's not listening to the people that work for him right 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 yeah, see, the problem is Donald Trump isn't taking orders. That's the problem here. Do you see the inference? Do you see the subtext to this? The real problem is Donald Trump isn't taking orders from people in the military service and stuff. Like, he's telling them what to do, and that's wrong. He shouldn't be doing that. Right? Is very clear here is that... He's not listening to anybody that works for him. We have a national security advisor that I hope is trying to brief him on the reality of counterterrorism strategy. He has a secretary. Of Pardon me, not the military service, the national security advisor. State who was just meeting with Prime Minister Netanyahu of Israel and assuring him that we would continue to fight Iran even if we withdrew from Syria. And in this whole nonsensical press conference, the president literally said the opposite of what his entire team is saying. So at this point, it's really unclear to me why the president bothers holding a cabinet meeting, holding a situation room briefing, if he's just going off and making stuff up. Oh, he's just making stuff up. I agree. Why does he bother holding cabinet room meetings? Why does he bother holding, you know, round tables and stuff so the CNNs can come in and do this? Uh, if I were him, if I were him, I would go full bunker now at this point and just fuck them all. And so you will absolutely do what I say. I would, I would put out on Twitter, these are the exact orders that I have given my subordinates. And if they don't follow them within a week, you'll know that they're not doing what they've been told. And so don't blame me for it. Blame them. Should do that. <laughs> Why not? What's the difference? She, she said it herself. This shows who really ran the country all these years. Bureaucrats. I love that you say that, James. Remember when he first got elected... Do you remember when he first got elected and uh, people were saying, uh, Chuck Schumer came out and said, oh, you know, you can't, you can't criticize the intelligence community because the intelligence community has seven ways from, six ways from Sunday of getting back at you, right? You all remember that, right? And I had a lefty friend of mine here in Australia that said, um, Oh well, I'm glad that Trump's being put in his place, and I'm saying, well, hang on, you're a lefty, aren't you? Aren't you a little bit concerned that 
the uh, the spy community is running the country? And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, Chuck Schumer is on TV saying that the intelligence community will take out the president. Like, don't you want the president to be running the country and not the fucking intelligence community? And he's like, well, yeah, probably. And I'm like, probably. I said, the left have been arguing against the CIA and the NSA for the last 30 fucking years. Now, all of a sudden, Donald Trump's elected. Now you love, now you love the police state. What the fuck is going on, man? You need to, you need to get your priorities right here. Like, I remember all of the rallies against, you know, the NSA and the CIA and the FBI and stuff. I remember it. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we can't do anything against the CIA, the NSA and the FBI. And it's like, what? 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 I thought this is what you wanted. I thought you wanted a president that wasn't beholden to the spy agencies. Now, all of a sudden, you're in favor of it. Oh, okay, okay. So the most powerful country in the world is being run by the spy agencies, and that's that's what you prefer. That's good. Yeah, they should take him out. You're not even thinking this through at this point. Serious fucking problems. All right, let's move on. Now we'll we'll do a little bit of this. We'll do a little bit. I don't know how far, how far we'll get with this one. This is Europe's first sex doll brothel. I know, it's quite the transition. Hey, we're all getting fucked by government in the end, aren't we? So, I, I don't know if you're ready for this. This is your trigger warning. This is this is a documentary, a short documentary about a sex doll, like robot sex workers and a brothel in Europe. Because <laughs> on this show we have discussed before the robot revolution and sex robots specifically. And up until now, it's always been kind of like a laugh, a bit of a joke. But now, apparently, it's real. It's coming. It's here. Pardon the pun. So, I don't know. Do you even want to see this or not? (laughs) Oh, my. What have we here? (laughs) Are you ready for this? I don't know if you're ready for this. You, You may laugh a lot. I'm sure you'll laugh a lot, but you'll probably be sickened too. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if I want to do it to you. I'm not seeing any responses. (laughs) People are just watching and not typing or anything. They're just sitting there. (laughs) All right. Play it. (laughs) Play it. All right. Sinsaked, of course. Sinsaked's like, yeah, play it. Uh, you're ready for the robot brothels in Europe? Okay, okay. We're going there. Robot brothels in Europe. Let's go. We made it through abortion story time. We can do anything now. Beautiful. Done. Jennifer Briggs, let's roll. You've got stuff for me. You're fucking about. Just fuck me now. All of the sex robots that are around at the moment are essentially pornographic representations of women's bodies. I wish this moment lasted forever. People might develop robots deliberately that will resist sexual advances. I have my pussy. I need nothing else to get you. 
about sex and self-satisfaction and the objectification of women. Sex dolls and sex robots will enforce prostitution and normalise it even more. Can I just say, I'm actually with the feminists on this one. I'm actually with the feminists. I, 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 I agree. I agree with the feminists. This is fucking weird. Like, this is wrong. This is weird. This is a level beyond. I'm sorry. Like, I don't agree with feminism probably like not if if 99% of things I would never agree with feminists on but I do agree with feminists that um you know people having sex with robots is inherently harmful to humanity I agree on that I agree on that point we 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 finally found our point of agreement it, it only took the feminists to be confronted with female sex robots for them to get to the the, situ- the to get to the point where we could finally agree on something, like all of a sudden now we have a platform we can fight together on. I was like, yes, no, no sex robots. I think is a good thing, but fuck me. Above all else, I want to become the girl you have always dreamed about. Like it or not, sex robots are here to stay. I like this guy, but as the technology advances, look at the, <laughs> look at the, the US of women. Become did, more- did you see the USB thing hanging out of its neck? Look, <laughs> like it or not, sex robots are here to stay. But as the te- look at that, look at that. That is hot. You can plug her into your USB port, ladies and gentlemen. Charge her up at night. Charge her up while you're doing your work in the office. Just have her sitting on a chair next to you with the USB stuck into your computer slot. That shit is hot. I bet having the USB cord hanging out from the neck like that is some kind of fetish in the robot sex world, you know? <laughs> I mean, because once you're having sex with robots, it's I, I'm, I'm guessing you could tick the box on every single other fetish. Like you've done feet, you've done pantyhose, you've done smoking, you've done uh, urine, you've, you've done it all. And and you've so you've slowly progressed to robot. Like I'm having sex now with inanimate objects that are made to look like human beings. And when that's not hot enough, you get a USB cord hanging out from her chin, <laughs> so it dangles when you're doing the nasty. <laughs> Technology advances, and the depictions of women become more lifelike and real. There's a moral divide opening up. Women would just continually see themselves as objects, having to compete with this woman who is always up for sex, always great at sex. And so then we start seeing ourselves as... She's saying we need to compete with this woman who is always up for sex, who is always competing for sex. No, 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 no. This is the problem with, with saying that gender role, like genders are imaginary, right? This is the problem with saying that everybody can classify themselves. This is not a woman. This is a machine. This is a... This is a piece of machinery with some plastic over it. This is not a woman. But this 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 woman, this actual real life woman who's arguing against the sex robots is actually saying, "Oh, we have to compete with these women who are always up for sex." No, you're not competing with women. You're competing with machines. Stop calling them women. This is part of the point of why, you know, people like me say, "Don't call things that aren't women women." Don't call people that aren't women women because you are diluting and, you know, destroying the premise of what a woman is. A woman is sacred. A woman is special. A woman is beautiful. A woman is a woman. Is a woman. Do you, you do not redefine what a woman is. 
once you start getting into this redefinition of what women are, all of a sudden you have feminists on TV saying that we need to stop this because these women robots are going to be up for sex and they're, they're a challenge to us, uh, these women. No, no, they're not women. Right? You, you know what I'm saying, right? You, you open yourself up. You open yourself up to this in a world where nothing can be defined then if if you allow a world where nothing can be defined, then the world is going to define you. Put it that way. Bookmark that. If you live in a world knowingly where you're not allowed to define anything, then the rest of the world is going to define you. And that's not what you want. Slona. Starting a turf war with existing, real-life sex workers already operating there. We've come to Spain to see if rubber tits are really the future of sex. (laughs) Wordsmiter says, perhaps if women gave up the pill, we wouldn't be in a constant state of hateful menopause. I love it. Barcelona has become this strange battleground for the future of sexual politics. You've got a sex doll brothel that's open. Sexual politics. (laughs) Sexual politics. Sexual chocolate. Opened up. You've got the first signs of sex doll resistance from a competing brothel across town. And then, up in the hills... There's sex doll resistance from a competing brothel. So only, at this state, we need to get behind the prostitutes now. I'm sorry, pardon the pun again. You know, I'm not saying pay to get behind the prostitutes. You can do that in your own time. But we need to get behind the real-life prostitutes now. We need to get behind the, the, the prostitutes and say, hey, you are better than a robot. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure if any of the guys who are having sex with the uh, robots, like I want to let, how about this? Do you remember when um, Kasparov played deep blue in the chess game? I'm sorry. If you're not a nerd, you won't get this. James gets this because he's Asian, but for the rest of you peasants, if you're not a nerd, you won't understand this. So Kasparov was the best chess player in the world at the time, and he played a computer program called Deep Blue. <clears throat> and I think, I think, <clears throat> pardon me, James will correct me. I think he won the first one, and then Deep Blue won the second one. I think, or vice versa. I think they won one each. Here's what we do, because they were saying a computer can play chess better than a human being, and chess is the most, com- you know, the most complicated brain game that's ever been invented in human history, right? Because you have so many combinations of moves, so many variables. Every every move changes like a thousand variables on the board at any given time. Far more complicated than any card game. So they were trying to prove that a computer can be smarter than a human. Here's my here's my suggestion. We get the absolute best robot hookers and line them up. <laughs> like let's say the top three. The top three robot hookers in the world will get them. Kasparov won the first, got ya. So we get the top three robot hookers in the world and then the top three human hookers in the world. And we... (laughs) And we get get the guy... We get the guy who's having sex with the robots to have sex with all six of them. And he ranks them. 
maybe we need more than one guy. We're probably going to need three. We'll get three guys. We'll get three guys. One that prefers humans, one that prefers robots, and one is a tiebreaker, a virgin. We'll get a virgin. Fuck. This is brilliant. So we'll get one that prefers having sex with robot hookers, one that prefers having sex with real life hookers, and one virgin that's never had sex before in his life. And he gets to sample all six. So the guy who prefers robot hookers has sex with all six. He comes back and marks his score. Obviously, he's going to be a little bit biased towards the robot hookers. He prefers robot hookers. The guy who prefers human hookers is going to have sex with all six. Obviously, he's going to mark the human hookers a little bit higher than the robot hookers because they're fucking robots and that's crazy. And then the virgin, you can't you can't tell me a virgin is going to prefer to have sex with a robot than a real-life human being. You can't tell me. Well, And again, we're not talking about your cheap, dirty hookers that stand on street corners begging for heroin. We are talking about your top-class, top-quality, gold-star, absolute, like, like 10,000 a night hooker. That's what we're talking about here. Like Playboy model hookers, right? Because remember, we're getting the best, the best. And I guarantee you, the best three robot hookers are still going to look like robot hookers. They're not going to look any better than the average hooker. You know, they're still going to look like... They're, they're, I, I don't want to see an average robot hooker. Can you imagine such a, such a travesty? Can you imagine such a nightmare? What if we get to the stage at some point where people are paying more to have sex with more attractive robots? Then you have to worry. Because right now, all the robots, are, you know, they're made to look attractive, right? They're all like skinny waist, blonde hair, blue eyes, big tits, right? It's a, it's pretty obvious stuff. But can you, can you imagine one day in the future, like say a hundred years from now, there are like cheap, cheap whore robots <laughs> smoking a cigarette, and like one boot is higher than the other. Their skirt is all disheveled. You know, their makeup is way, way too hot. You know, there's way too much blush. <laughs> Right, right now is probably like the peak. Right now is probably the best time to get involved in the robot hookers because it's, I think it's only downhill from here. There's going to be cheap Chinese knockoffs. There's going to be people that are making robots for your average, you know, shithead. <laughs> I mean, because be honest here, who can afford a ten thousand dollar real life hooker? Right, not many people can afford a ten thousand dollar real life hooker. I'm sure they're very good at what they do. If you can afford a $10,000 real-life robot, like you, you are in a different stratosphere at that point. Sad for the person who relates to the bots more than the real people. Well, of course. Of course. Well, it's not sad because if they relate to the bots more, then they have no emotion. That, see, you, you use the term sad, but sad is a human thing. So it's not sad for the human who relates more to the bots. The person that relates more to the bots doesn't understand the concept of sad. They don't understand happy. You know, they just they just have sex with machines. <laughs> you have one of the world's leading sex robot inventors who's pushing the technology forward. I was invited to the secret location of Lumi Dolls. A 
sextile brothel forced out of red light district by angry sex to meet Sergey and his squad of glamorous but lifeless girls. Thanks for joining us. Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. Welcome to one of those. According to Sextile CEO Sergey Prieto, <laughs> in these rooms, shared with a normal brothel, over 55 clients a week choose a doll over a sex worker. 55 a week? We knew the demand was so huge, we have a lot of clients. So how much is time with a doll and how does it compare to one of your real girls? It's the same. Oh, don't you love that they've got the FPOS machines, like, ranked up? <laughs> they're, they're probably linked right into her ass, you know? Like, you'll be halfway through the act and then all of a sudden, like, you know, it snaps shut. Pff, the legs snap shut. And it's like, please insert your card here if you want to perform X. <laughs> damn it, damn it. You see, because the beauty of the robot hooker is they can be programmed. So, you know, when you get to a certain level of excitation, um, you know, the credit card thing could be, the, the alarm could be buzzing. You know, you need to insert your card. If you want to pay for an extra 15 minutes, now is the time. With a real life hooker, you can always sweet talk them a little bit. It's like, no, it's okay, baby. I'll pay you at the end. And then you jump out the window, go to the train station. Half an hour with a doll is um, 80 euros, and one hour it's 100 euros. How did you personally get into... One hour, 100 euros. So what's 100 euros? I think that's like 80 bucks in American. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong. I think 100 euros is like 80 bucks American. That's a very cheap hooker. 80 bucks for an hour? That's very cheap. I can see why 55 people a week are preferring... But, I mean, look, look... Here's the thing. If you're if if you're happy to have sex with a machine, why not put a condom between two sponges and insert it into the toaster at that point? You know, you could have you could have sex with the toaster. What's the difference? It's not a human being. It's not touching you. It's not looking at you. It's not talking to you. You know, it's it's not having sex with you. You're having sex with it. You a human being has sex with you. A robot, you have sex with it. It's, it's, you know what I mean? Like, you may as well fuck the vacuum cleaner. What's the difference? What's the difference? Buy, buy, a, buy a $10 sex doll and, you know, rig up a vacuum cleaner where the privates go, hit it to full speed, and then go for your life. And then you've got a $10 robot hooker every day of the fucking year, man. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. <clears throat> I don't get it. Do you support hooker minimum wage? <laughs> no. No, hookers should be, like, full bartering, full capitalism all the time. There should be no regulation of prostitution at all. At all. If you are a, if you are a $10 hooker, you, then the market will decide. <laughs> if you're a $5 hooker, the market will decide. Mm -hmm. The doll biz. We discovered by chance this this product. I try uh, the first doll when when I arrive, and and that's a very pleasure experience. You can have uh, many orgasms. <laughs> I'm a client. Mm -hmm. Walk me through it. First of all, you have to choose uh, the doll that you prefer. The Asian dolls have a lot of demand. I don't know exactly why, but this is the truth. We have our etiquette. The Asian dolls have high demand. <laughs> Mm. 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 
You know why? Because uh, Japanese engineering, ladies and gentlemen, uh, they've got the circuitry right. They, you know why the Asian dolls are in high demand? Because geeks that fuck uh, robots know their electronics. <laughs> That's why. That's why. The rules, and in this way, we can sleep every day, for example. I mean, you don't want to have sex with an American blower, uh, an American sex robot, because halfway through, sparks will be flying out of her ass. She's going to need a grease and oil change. It's like the power steering's gone. It's like, ah, fucking American shit. Can't corner. Can't accelerate. We never provide dolls that looks like children. One client asked us to prepare a service because he has a rape fantasy. We don't want to promote these kind of things. So who am I meeting today? Uh, You've got a conscience. And Emma. Yoko and Emma. Yoko and Emma. I'm not a massive day-to-day brothel user, so I was apprehensive about taking a step into the unknown and meeting Sergei's gigantic horny puppets. Gigantic (laughs) horny puppets. So, I was a bit apprehensive from meeting Sergey's gigantic horny puppets. <laughs> this this could only be done with a British person, like <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm not a regular day to day brothel user, but I was a little bit apprehensive about meeting Sergey's day. You know, Sergey's gigantic horny puppets. It's perfect. She's uh, Yoko and she's quality steel Emma. Yeah, you have. Uh... The porn? <laughs> yeah. Lubricants and condoms? Yep. Okay. Two of them. Yep. If you need more, you just uh, bring me, okay? <laughs> They're quite weird, aren't they? Yeah, maybe if I uh, do something with a lion in there. They're definitely weird. I mean, there's a redhead in there. Sorry to the redheads in the audience, but... You know. <laughs> They're quite weird, aren't they? Yeah, maybe if I uh, do something with a light. The redhead actually looks like a uh, feminist. Quite. She's being oppressed. Just gonna... The interviewer bought them flowers, yes. No. It moved. I feel a bit weird about, like, be lewd in any way. I think a knee squeeze is going to be okay. I can't quite imagine flipping this thing over and getting hog wild on it. I mean, that's not nice, is it? See, I loved loved through the week, um, a couple of people were saying, hey, you know, if you want, like, real in-depth, interesting political analysis, you should definitely go to Boogie Bumper. You know, if you want real news, you should go to Boogie Bumper. And I'm like, (laughs) all the while I'm thinking, yeah, you know what? On Thursday night, we're going to be playing videos of robot sex brothels. So, you know, enter at your own risk, pun intended. That's horrible. And I just did that, and I feel a bit weird now. Oh, it's groaning. The porn behind you is absolutely mental right now. (laughs) I'm slowly becoming slightly more comfortable with them. Emma's really going for it a little bit more. Obviously, I am in charge of all this. And I can kind of see how that might be, you know, something people would be into because it's a control thing. All right, let's do this. He's doing it. He's yep. doing it. Wow. <laughs> mm, it's looking at me. It's looking at me. Are we thirsty? 
Oh, there's a bottle of champagne in there. This isn't how I wanted my life to be. I kind of want to see what the nipple situation is, but there's no way of me, like, <laughs> de-topping her that isn't really seedy. Now, see, see, see. Uh, now, see, now, see, they've already got him. Once you're, once you want to see a robot nipple, you're halfway, I mean, let's be honest here, guys. Once you see breasts, you're halfway to sex. Come on, that's a general rule. Like, if, if, if you see a nipple, you know that you're, preparing to go all the way at that point like like nobody says like nobody sees a nipple and then says okay i'm out thanks that's all i wanted that's i'm ready to go home now can you drive me home please i'm ready to i'm I'm, no i'm sorry don't touch me i'm finished you know you're getting loose you're on the couch you know you're kissing you're necking or whatever you see a nipple and then you're like okay good i got what i came for no that that never happens so at this point when (laughs) at this point (laughs) When he's, when he is like, when he is curious about the nipple, then I think that there is a possibility that he may insert. That's just my opinion. I don't know. Tell me what you think. That's sort of shaky, uh, shaky, inanimate, unblinking objects. Bloomy Dolls is part of Apricots, a more traditional human brothel. Where, two doors away, Claudia works in competition with the dolls. So what's it like working here with the dolls? <laughs> Wordsmider says, this episode only ends in a thumb-sucking fetal position. I love it. <laughs> Así como trabajamos con vibradores u otros objetos, las muñecas vienen a ser como algo más pegado a la realidad, pero no deja de ser un objeto. So do you not see them as sort of competition at all? No, porque no es el mismo perfil de clientes los que vienen con una chica a los que piden por una muñeca. Creo que más que buscar sexo, buscan una compañía también con quien habla. It's clear human sex workers still offer something that dolls can't, an actual human connection. Oh, you don't say. And until they tick that box, I wasn't convinced that these glorified blow-up dolls were going to be the future of sex work. But despite the shortcomings of doll technology, I wondered whether their biggest rival, La Suite, were threatened by this emerging, unblinking competition. The women here offer services ranging from piss parties to a civilised chat at the bar. Hola, Stefan. Hi. Do you want to give us a tour? Come with me. Cada una de las habitaciones tiene un estilo muy diferente. So does every room have a mirror on the ceiling? <laughs> Damn, that's classy. <laughs> you've got to, You've got to be able to appreciate dry British humour. So he's like, so does every does every room have a mirror on the ceiling? And he's like, oh yes, of course. And he's like, damn, that's classy. Nuestro perfil de cliente es más bien el cliente medio alto. Our client's profile is always medium to high status. Damn, damn fancy upper class prostitutes, I tell you. Y aquí los clientes se vienen a ocupar con chicas de verdad. Oh, wow. This is such a nice place. That is a good bar. That is a nice bar. Tenemos una licencia. Y aquí podemos 
They invoice for sexual services. Después de comer, la primera necesidad de un hombre es tener sexo. What's the most important for you? Were you paying attention to the balding Spaniard ladies? He said, after food, the first necessity for a man is to have sex. I'm, I'm just letting you know. It's not me. This guy's obviously an expert. He runs a very high-class brothel where there are mirrors on every ceiling. He knows his stuff. He knows the low down. He knows the down low. He knows the action. So apparently, um, after you after you cook us dinner, after we feed, <laughs> after we feed, then it is time to relieve us. <laughs> I can't even. It's fucking ridiculous. It's the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen. I don't even know why this is on on YouTube. <laughs> he's... God bless the guy because he's tried to tried his best to take it seriously, but he's, I mean, he's investigating the effect of robot sex workers on actual real life brothels. <laughs> it's like this is like the scientific equivalent of people, you know, in universities like Harvard and shit or MIT. Uh, they're studying whether or not watermelons can be deemed as sexist or racist or not. You know what I mean? Like, it's just pointless shit. <laughs> I, I have to watch a little more. I have to. <laughs> I'm compelled at this point. <laughs> I want to. I want to know what this guy. Look at this. Look on his face. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Do you really think so? Mm-hmm. <laughs> After heating and sleeping. Um, be Shitting. Um, tell me the truth. Being honest. Having sex. Okay, yeah. I was going to say PlayStation, but it's up there. PlayStation. In the mix. So how popular Depends do you if actually the dinner think was the dolls are over Just cards. kidding. No, you're not uh, kidding. Muy pocos clientes vienen ahí con el morbo de estar con una muñeca. So Sergey says he's getting around 55 clients every week with his Lumi dolls. I mean, is that a threat to you? No creo, no, no creo que sea cierto eso. O tal vez ahora porque hablan de esto, pero esto se, se va a desenchar. No, This no is going to go down. Pueda durar mucho tiempo. So obviously, uh, he looks the nervous. He's like, oh, maybe it's a thing in the press right now, but it's going to go down. He looks nervous to me. Did you see that? He looks nervous to me. He, I think he's under threat from the sex dolls. 55 clients every week with his Lumi dolls. I mean, is that a threat to you? No creo, no, no creo que sea cierto. Look at him, look at him. O tal vez ahora porque hablan de esto. Yeah, yeah, he's not confident. He's not confident. He's worried. Pero esto se, se va a desenchar. No, no creo que... That that laugh there, where he like where he tightened his neck, he put his he tucked his shoulders into his neck, and he pushed himself back into his chair. He looked, he rolled his eyes up and to the left. That's that's a nervous reaction, if I've ever seen one, and I've seen a few. So obviously, uh, the dolls are a very basic stage as the dolls develop a little bit is that anything like a threat to what you're doing personalmente prefiero trabajar con personas reales pero la ventaja claro no no hay problema legal no se necesita licencia this guy this guy knows it's a threat you know why because there's going to be millionaires out there who have fucked every playboy model that there is to be fucked and they're going to be into weird shit 
Like if if you have satisfied, if you have all the money in the world, this guy runs a high price brothel, right? So he caters to like high class clients. But if the high class clients have been in there 50 times and they've had sex with every girl 10 times, then, you know, they might be willing to pay to go and have sex with a robot just because they can, like because nothing thrills them anymore. Do you know what I mean? This is the threat. It's not necessarily the the threat isn't necessarily the robot side of it. The threat is like the fetish side of it. Like because once you've been desensitized to a certain behavior, then that no longer excites you. And then you you have to go to the next level and then the next level and then the next level and then the next level. And like I said, at some point people are going to be having sex with toasters. And it's going to be all the rage on, you know, internet porn sites and stuff. He will add a uh, robot room tomorrow if he feel, if he feels threatened. Well, he probably will. Yeah, the, 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 right. The market will take over, so he will have a room, but it, it's going to be like high class robots. It's not going to be the cheap robots that Sergey has down the road. But I think that's. I think this is the worry here. Like this is this is why I agree with the feminists here. This this is getting to in, into a whole new stage of fetishization of sexuality that it was never intended for. You know, our 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 impulses and our lusts um, have always been harnessed for profit, right? I'm not denying that, but. When we're getting to, when we're getting to the stage of active promotion of sex with inanimate objects, like if you thought promotion of pornographic material was wrong, then you should be really outraged about promotion of having sex with machines, right? Like if if, if you thought it was wrong to dehumanize women, then you should be really upset about people creating robots to fuck. If if you thought it was wrong, um, but then again, you know, some people are going to be out there. Some people will say, if you thought it was wrong to, um, like, you know, we can't, we can't judge people's sexual choices. You know, like, who, who are we to say what people have sex with? <laughs> it used to be who, now to what? You know, once upon a time, we used to say, who are you to say who people can have sex with? But now we have to now we have to say who are you to say what people can have sex with? I think that's a problem. It's one word, but it's a it's a deal breaker, you know. I, I'm I'm the kind of person that's like you know what you can have sex with whoever you want, like whoever you want. Any you know all these people out here that are sexual, you can have sex with the sexual people. That's fine. Man, woman, other, whatever. I don't even give a fuck. I don't even care. Um, but when we start promoting the what instead of the who, then I'm starting to go like, well, you know, like I said, just have sex with your toaster. What's what's the difference? Keyword is what instead of who. Do you think it sort of objectifies the women you have working for you? In ningún caso podemos comparar un objeto con ellas. Ellas no son objeto. 
saben muy bien que lo que hacen es muy distinto. El hombre también necesita tener una persona activa, una persona que te mira a los ojos y que te diga, fóllame más fuerte, dame duro, para ponerse más cachondo, para disfrutarlo más. Robot phobes. 40% de los hombres que llegan a tener un contacto físico con las chicas. General Eaton, comment of the night, you're a robot phobe. I love it. All right. We'll take a short break, I think. Uh, have we seen enough of the robot hookers? I think we have. We've, I think we've seen enough. I think we've seen enough. We'll take a short break. We'll get right back with your Twitter comments. It's an absolute marathon. Welcome back to 2019. Thanks for joining us. See you in five. Hello, everybody. This is Chris McDonald. I want to take this opportunity to invite you to listen to our Mac Files broadcast every Monday through Friday night from 930 to 1030 right here on Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook Live. We always have a wide variety of guests that talk about faith, make America great again, the nation, President Trump. We deal with a lot of law enforcement issues, a lot of immigration issues, and issues that are very relevant to the time that we live in. Friday nights, 1130, the one and only James R. joins us for Pirate Radio, one of the liveliest shows late night that you'll ever have. And then Sunday nights, we have uh, Pastor Ronnie Mitchum join us at 8.30 p.m. for our Sunday night faith chat. And be there. We're looking for you. Join us each week. Aloha. James R. here. When I'm not in court defending the boys from the starting block against slander charges. Alleged! Yes, yes. Alleged. I'm hosting Trust and Verify with Boogie Bumper every Sunday night at 1 a.m. on TABshow.com. Join us and all your favorite broadcasters there. Friend and foe alike, join me for Unprasad every week on the Common Discourse Weekly Roundup podcast. You can follow the show on at TCD Tweet on Twitter and Periscope. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, Stream Me, iTunes, or your preferred podcast platform. If you like what you hear or you would like to express your raging discontent, please consider leaving us a review. The Common Discourse, independent political opinion, thought, and analysis for the people by the people. Do you lie awake at night pondering life's big questions? Is there a God? What is the meaning of life? How would one do an hour-long sports show without ever actually talking about sport? If yes, we can help you answer 33% of these pressing questions. All you have to do is check out the starting block on TAVshow.com, Periscope, Stream Me, or YouTube, Wednesday mornings at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also download the podcast on iTunes just by searching for The Starting Block in the store or at thestartingblock.podbean.com. Or if you're really desperate for answers, why not check us out on Twitter, at The Starting Block. No K at the end, don't forget to drop that K. Enlightenment is now only a click away. Now that is a freaking awesome I think a lot of it is he's free where they're not. If you are on the side of the politically correct, then you are, it's like you're constrained by the weapon that you're trying to hit somebody else with. Does that make sense? Like you can't, you can't profess the virtues of political correctness and overt sensitivity and not offending people and then come out and do it because you'll be a traitor to your own cause. 
So if you don't sign up to that politically correct mindset, if you don't fall into the I must not offend crowd, then you're really free. And they're not because they can't attack. They can only attack you by saying how offensive you are. And if it's particularly unpopular at the time to be, you know, uh, politically correct, then guess what? Every single time that you use the only weapon that you can, which is political correctness, you get less popular. And the person that you're attacking gets more popular just by the fact that you're attacking them. Because if you're saying that these people are so politically correct, like they, they can't say whatever they want, every time you try to attack the guy, you prove his point. You, you make him stronger. It's like trying to fire nukes into the sun and think you're going to blow it up. It doesn't work that way. You're just adding to the combustion. It's not going to stop. It's not, it's not going to stop. He's not going to slow down. The way these people approach it, they, they just don't get it. He, he's not going to just suddenly snap out of it. He's not going to start being what you want him to be. It's only going to get faster and harder. But they, they don't see that. They don't understand. So, that, I mean, because that's the bubble. That's the privileged bubble of going straight from college into a, you know, into the media and living in that environment and all of your colleagues agree with you. in hot. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. We're back. You know, the time that we had apart gave me a moment to reflect on things. And there's a realization that I came to. And the realization is this that <clears throat> um, over the course of the last 12 to 18 months, I have made a lot of good friends here in this world of broadcasting and podcasting and, you know, periscoping and all of that all of that jazz and a lot of these people are very very good christians <clears throat> and they will people like chris mack for example and chris mack will say you know boogie you know boogie's a good guy you should you should check out boogie's show boogie does a great show i love boogie's show <laughs> and little does he know that 
long after most good Christians have gone to bed, here we are at 1am or 2am, depending on your time zone, exploring the world of robot hookers and their effect on the real-life prostitution game. Well, you know, I, I, <laughs> it kind of makes me feel guilty. <laughs> For a while. <clears throat> then I rub one out with a toaster during the break and all is forgiven. All is good. All is well. So let's get to the best part of the night. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for sticking around. It's an absolute pleasure. Let's get to your stuff that you sent through on Twitter. First one from Kimmy. The first one is actually the last one. I think that's the way it works. Let me just hang on. Let me refresh this just in case. We might have got some latecomers. Oh, oh, there you go. See? <clears throat> Americans aren't making enough babies to sustain the population. We know that. We know that. We have a problem here I'm not sure we'll understand as it pertains to immigration. We have a shrinking national population, which equals a shrinking economy. Yes, Dr. Gonzo, but as someone like yourself that is against rampant capitalism, why do you think that we need perpetual growth? Simple question. Very simple question. Um, The capitalism that I know doesn't require perpetual growth. The capitalism that is presented to us in this pseudo-capitalist slash half-socialist disastrous Siamese twin abortion of an economy that we have in the Western world, and that's America, Australia included, you guys actually have a little more free market than we do. Do you know if you want to create a business here, you have to go through probably six months of government red tape and spend thousands of dollars just to get approved to start a business? Right? Go to the next apply. And now I want to put into context how banking works, how money is created within the system. I know how I know how banking works. Um, how money is created or how wealth is created, they're two different things. Let's have a look. Banks are allowed to create money through a system called fractional reserve banking. Whenever you deposit money, the bank is legally required to keep a certain percentage of it somewhere safe, but can lend everything else. Here's an example based on a 10% reserve requirement. John goes to his bank and deposits $1,000. John's bank keeps $100 and lends the remaining $900 to Mike. There is now $1,900 in the financial system. John's $1,000 deposit and Mike's $900 loan. Next, Mike uses the $900 to buy a laptop from Karen. Then Karen deposits her $900 at another bank. The bank keeps 10% and lends the remaining $810 to George. There is now $2,710 in the system. John's $1,000 deposit, Karen's $900 deposit, and George's $810 loan. This goes on and on until John's initial $1,000 is turned into approximately $10,000. Believe it or not, commercial banks actually create more money than central banks. Okay, so all right, I understand. I understand what the video is saying, but you've got to understand um, here it's a little different because we don't really have commercial banks. We do, but we have five banks basically that run. There's only like 25 million of us. So we don't have like little banks in country towns and stuff like you guys have. Um, we have basically five banks that like they're called the big five, right? 
Well, actually, it's four because two of them merged. So now it's the big four. But our banks are like the most stable in the world, basically. So, okay, so hang on, I'll read on. Now I want people to consider Republicans had 760 days of unified government control and there was a corporate tax cut passed with 51 votes, but no wall ever seriously proposed. I agree. Republicans can't let this happen. And these things I posted are why a shrinking economy leads to default. I, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They're, they're modern Western economies, uh, whether you're on the right or the left, we have been sold a lie. We are living in a Ponzi scheme. And, <clears throat> you know, a lot of it, you know, mass immigration, you know, one factor of mass immigration is order to, in order to keep the housing market afloat. And you can only keep the housing market afloat through supply and demand. If you have too many people living in a city, those people are affluent, they're ready to move out and buy a home, the price of housing goes up because there's fewer housing available. Then the lobby groups can put pressure on the politicians to release more land on the outskirts of the city. You know, do you have land release in the United States? I'm sure you do. And, you know, allow more land for developers. You know, the developer uh, lobby is you know, one of the most powerful here in Australia. And they want high immigration because these people have got to live somebody uh, somewhere. You know, these people have got to, we've got to build houses for the people that are coming in. And that's that's a criticism on the right of, of the spectrum. The right side of the political spectrum needs, you know, low paid workers and they need, they need, you know, people to, keep feeding it's a, it's a like i said it's a ponzi scheme we need to keep injecting more uh consumers into the system and those consumers have to live in houses or they have to rent this pays the the developers they get jobs at low wages they consume the goods that we sell we can up the price of the goods like <clears throat> right <clears throat> pardon me it is late but of course of course that's how it works um and, you know, I'm against that as well. The Ponzi scheme will resettle after baby boomers die off. I'm not so sure, word smiter, because the baby boomers have been basically... If you see, the, the problem with the baby boomers is... Um, yeah, I'm not saying all baby boomers are bad, but the problem with the baby boomer generation is they have also benefited from being in control for the longest period of time. You know, previous to the baby boomers, uh, you were in the upper management levels and had your hands on the levers of power, so to speak, for maybe 10, 15 years. These people have been in control of our system for the last 30, 35 years. Many of them don't want to retire. Um, and many of them are, you know, 60s hippies retreads who fundamentally, you know, they, they are set in their ways and they have a certain view of the world and everything is harmonious and everybody, you know, needs to live a certain way and believe in certain things, which is nothing. And in order to pay for the mass welfare programs, the mass socialization of healthcare, education, you know, their great-great-great-grandchildren will be paying that debt. But they got it. You know, they were fighting for a cause, right? Maybe there was a bit of guilt there after World War Two. 
being beneficiaries of being part of the winning side. Therefore, your manufacturing sector boomed. You know, all of your industry boomed because you had to supply Europe with goods that they could no longer supply for themselves. This this explains, you know, our economic, you know, golden age between, you know, say, 1950 and 1975, thereabouts. Because Europe relied on our production because Europe was levelled. Europe was turned to dust. Once again, thanks to the Germans. But it is what it is. So, um, you know, that fueled an economic boom time. And maybe they, they grew up in an age of, you know, extreme affluence where they wanted for nothing, where, where the man could work, you know, a meagre blue-collar job and support a car, a house, a wife and four kids without stress. And, you know, there's... I forget the, I forget the continuation of this um, meme... I don't even know if it's a meme, maybe it's a poem or something, but it's like um, strong men create good times, good good times create soft men, soft men create bad times, bad times create good men, something like that, right? It's, 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 it's like a watered-down version of Titler's Cycle of History, if you've ever seen that. If you haven't Googled Titler's Cycle of History, you should. This is where the left and right converge. Deutsche Bank, refugees, a huge opportunity. Well, and now we're going to be, now we're going to get into definition here, Sam, because we're talking about the economic left versus the economic right versus the cultural left versus the cultural right. You know, there's, there's different left and there's different right. You know this stuff. While critics call the newcomers a financial burden, one of Germany's top economists has praised them as a huge opportunity for Europe. Yeah, you know Germany is on the verge of uh, a recession now. More more fake news, my brother. Germany looks set to enter a recession after Europe's financial giant sees unexpected collapse in industrial production. Migrants, he says, could help boost the economy on a global stage. Refugees were the best thing that happened to Germany in 2015, Deutsche Bank chief economist David Volkertz-Londau said on Monday. Let's go back to the other one. The German economy stunned traders this week when it plummeted more sharply than expected. Industrial production fell by 1.9% in November, a year-on-year low of 4.6%, which has fueled uncertainty in the world's fourth largest economy. Back to Sam's one. However, with more than 1 million people, many of them Syrian refugees, having crossed the country's borders so far this year, Critics worry they will place an unprecedented burden on state coffers. You don't say! A recession in Germany could have a devastating impact on the fragile Greek and Italian economies, you don't say. Yesterday's manufacturing data in Germany provided alarming evidence of a much more severe slowdown in the second half of last year than economists had initially expected. Klaus Wichtigen of Pantheon Macroeconomics told Business Insider. He said the economy had been rocked by a perfect storm across all sectors. 
I wonder what is the mitigating factor in a perfect storm across all sectors. But the real threat, back to Sam's article, said the Deutsche Bank top analyst, was Germany's rapidly ageing population, which many economists warn could diminish the country's future standing on the global stage. That's something that I always found amusing, Sam, was uh, the people that were pro the mass immigration into Europe said, oh, well, we need people to replace, we need people to work in our economy so they can replace the ageing population. And I thought, well, yes, of course. Of course, uh, the 70% of people that are migrating to Europe right now who are illiterate in their own language, I'm sure they're just going to go and work in a BMW factory. Like, I'm sure that's how it works, right? And I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm probably being generous with that statistic. The UN was probably like around 80% or something, but yeah, you know, at least at least three in four people that were part of that mass migration into Europe uh, a few years ago were illiterate in their own language. So I'm, I'm sure they'll pick up German like that. I'm sure they'll pick up engineering know-how like that. And I'm sure they'll be, you know, shipped off to a Mercedes-Benz or a BMW factory post-haste to, you know, construct, you know, to be on the front line of the world's foremost engineering society that's ever been. I'm sure that's the way it's going to work. You know, God bless migration, right? Meanwhile, uh, Deutsche Bank analysts are trying to tell us that it's the best thing to happen to Germany. I could have told you this was bullshit three and a half years ago, brother. Could have told you this was bullshit three and a half years ago because logically it makes no sense whatsoever. Refugees are never a net gain to a society. Never. Like economically, anyway. Economically. Like I'm sure they've, they're nice people and they've got cultural things and stuff. Uh, but economically, they're never a net gain. Because the amount of money that you need to outlay in the beginning in order to educate, do you know how much it costs to educate a refugee in order to get them even functional in a low-end blue-collar job? All you are doing is then creating more competition for the low-end blue-collar workers, which means then that the banks can raise interest rates and housing prices go up because there are more people on the same tier competing for the same amount of resources. Meanwhile, it costs the government like five times as much to get the people up to scratch. To get the people up to scratch. They are if you are a bank. Well, yeah. Okay. We have much... We'll have to get Sam on the show one day. I think we'll get Sam on the show because I want want to talk to you. Like in text form, I don't think you're doing yourself justice. I think you're probably a lot smarter... And you've probably got a lot more stuff to say in non-text form. So maybe we should have a chat on the phone one day and we'll make a show out of it. So get in touch. Um, laugh, laugh out loud. This is from Kimmy. I found a hot blonde for you. What do you think? Well, I'm interested. Looks like Callista Flockart. Colton, what's your name? Bree. Bree. So nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. You got a nice accent. <laughs> Where are you from? Um, the accent, it's Australian. I was hoping that you're kind of a sucker for accents. I, I am. know what you think about it. I love it. I'll see you inside, all right? Okay, all sounds right, good. I'm not really Australian, but you have to do what you can to stand out. Oh, what? <laughs> I was sick and she doesn't sound Australian to me. I, was, I didn't know where she was from. She doesn't sound Australian at all. You guys are really bad with accents. Colton, what's your name? Bree. Bree. So nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Oh, she got the U right. 
but not the so. So nice to meet you. She got the nice. U right. The accent. Where are you from? Um, the accent. It's Australian. I was- she sounds fucking Danish or something. She sounds Nordic. I think you often misinterpret the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, probably, but that's the that's the constriction of the medium that we're in. You know, engaging on. So don't blame me, bro. I was hoping that you're kind of a sucker for accents. I am. Sucker. Yeah, no. Nah, she sounds. She sounds like she's from fucking Norway or Denmark or something. Do you think about it? I love it. I'll see you inside. All right. Okay. All sounds right, good. I'm not really Australian, but you have to do what you can to stand out. It's not bad for an American chick. Technically, she didn't lie. She just said the accent was Australian, not that she's Australian. Oh, come on, Stephanie. Technically, she didn't lie. Of course she lied. Because it wasn't an Australian accent. It was terrible. Whatever it was, it wasn't Australian. It was ungodly. It was a massacre. All right. What have we got next? I love this stuff. Because I haven't pre-read or pre-seen any of this. Your animals are weird. So Kimmy was obviously looking for Australian shit. She didn't lie. She said the accent. It's Australian. <laughs> I always uh, point my crystal clear, my point crystal clear on scopes. Got to go, Boogie. Sick. Got to go. Oh, well, thanks for joining us, Monica. Good to see you. Happy days. Hope you get well soon. If she called him a cunt, I'd believe it. <laughs> oh, the cane toads. Those are canies. 68 millimetres just fell in the last hour at Kanamara. Flushed all the cane toads out of my brother's dam. Some of them took the easy way out, hitching a ride on the back of a 3.5 metre python. Look at that. It's like a bus. (laughs) Well done. Andrew Mock. Rolling Stone India. Here we go. This ought to be this ought to be good. This ought to be something. Australia was everywhere this week. Is it the um is it Australia Week in the in America? Have you guys seen that Australia promotion week that um Hugh Jackman does? I'm just checking now to see if it's the thing. No, I can't find anything on it. Oh, well. While we're on Australia, let me show you something. So there was a famous ad here called Where the Bloody Hell Are You? It's like a tourism ad. And the girl at the end of this ad actually became a celebrity who was having regular sex with the Australian cricket captain. Uh, Her name was Lara Bingle. So she became like the Australian Kardashian kind of thing. We brought you a beer. We've had the Kemmel shampooed. 
saved you a spot on the beach. And we've got the sharks out of the pool. We got the ruse off the green. And Bill's on his way down to open the front gate. Taxi's waiting. And dinner's about to be served. We turned on the lights. And we've been rehearsing for over 40,000 years. So everybody, how are you? So it was controversial because she said, "Where the bloody hell are you?" Um, there was a there's an Australian comedy team that used to have a show uh, called The Chaser. They they're kind of lefty. They do like political satire. They're on the Australian version of the BBC, which is the Australian taxpayer funded uh, news service here. But they're h- h- hilariously funny. So they did their own, you know, sort of survey about this ad with tourists in Australia. So check this out. Yeah, well, look, the slogan has been a real talking point this week. A lot of people have been saying they objected to the term bloody hell. I mean, I whipped up a few alternative slogans, though, and actually ran them past some actual tourists to get a bit of feedback. What about Australia? It shits over everywhere else. <laughs> shit. No, it's not good. Not good? What's no. wrong with that one? The picture's wrong? No, the shit. The shit? What about uh, don't be a prick, visit Australia? Yeah. <laughs> Australia's shit hot, so get your dickhead ass the fuck down here. <laughs> Maybe the British would like that. Well, I don't know. That's Aussie. Dickhead is a bit rough as well. Yeah, yeah you think so? Like, you see, here in Australia, uh, dickhead's just like a normal word. Yeah, That's what we call each other. Hey, dickhead. How you going, dickhead? <laughs> Maybe it's, it's for... For humour or for for laughing people, but not for not for like. What about uh, fuck Australia's fucking great? <laughs> so why the fuck? Don't you <laughs> well, what is that effect? Like it doesn't have to be exactly that. <laughs> Too many fucks. Too many fucks. <laughs> yeah, well, which one should definitely. we? Which one should we get rid of? That one? No, not only one. I think. <laughs> three fucks or one? No. Three fucks? Two fucks? Can we have three fucks no. or two fucks? One fuck? No. One no fuck. fucks? No. no fucks. At least one fuck, you think? It, uh, yeah, one. One. Just, just one. Just one. A bit more civilised. What about, dear sir, fuck Australia's fucking ground? So why the fuck? Is that more civilised? <laughs> Opening is polite. If you want to catch some visitors, mm-hmm. you can't say fuck, fuck mother, fucking mother, mother, fuck <laughs> Really? Yeah. Australia, it's free of fuckwits. It's, it's not, not free it's of fuckwits. <laughs> Can you come up with a slogan for Australia? View this beautiful landscape or something like this. Okay, view but this not... beautiful landscape. Yeah. You asshole. <laughs> view this fucking beautiful landscape. No. Too many fucks. Aye, just one fuck. Just one. The Scottish guy gets it. All right. Me too. Homegrown co-founder Varun Patra accused of sexual harassment. Well, isn't that just the darndest thing? The accusations against the co-founder and head of marketing at the Indian media platform were brought to light via an open letter online. See, already I'm suspicious. Open letters. Everybody's getting accused via open letters these days. You know what? Like We we live in the age of supreme technology. I want to actually see penetration before I accuse anybody of anything now. 
Because I think 99% of shit that I see online is bullshit to begin with anyway. So, you know, and, and, I'm sorry. I don't believe anyone about anything anymore. I'm, I'm done. I'm out. I don't believe you. Tell me a story. I don't care. Youth media company Homegrown's co-founder and head of marketing Varun Patra has been accused of sexual harassment. The survivor who wished to remain anonymous, oh, of course, like anonymous sources at CNN, made her statements public earlier today via an open letter on artist and poet Priyanka Paul's social media platform. So she she's remaining anonymous and making her accusations via an artist's social media platform. Hmm. 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 Why? Why is my suspicion, you know, ticking here? Well, what is triggering my suspicion here? Could it be that an artist and a poet is using their social media platform to make an accusation against a CEO of a company? Could it? Could it be that? Gets interesting. Okay. The accusations against Patra also spread on Twitter after a post by writer Shruti Sundaraman <laughs> was shared multiple times and spurred several reactions from other media personalities on the platform. Homegrown's co-founder Varun Patra has been accused of sexual harassment. I just read the painful account of the accuser Art Horings Insta Art Horing. <laughs> Okay, we're starting to we're starting to draw a picture here. <laughs> I I honestly expected nothing from a man who thinks it's okay to stuff his face in my hair and stub his cigarette on my friend when he's drunk. Varun Patra, an easy way to protect yourself from me too would have been to understand consent. Varun Patra, oh wow, look who's talking. How about calling out your own imbecile act of recording without permission? Your non-consexual sexual acts with women non-consensual sexual acts for a change chosen by food in her open letter the source states that she had been talking to patra for a few months and had gone out to dinner with him once before the incident oh because she's a victim patra came over to her home after which they proceeded to have sexual intercourse during which he allegedly performed a non-consensual sex act and recorded the survivor on audio without her knowledge or consent <laughs> Towards the end of the night, we went to my room and had sex, in the middle of which he felt the need to stick his fingers in my ass. I told him not to do it. He did it anyway. Three times. Three times or three fingers? I think that's that's an important distinction to make here. Like, So was it one finger three times or was it three fingers at once? I brushed it off as a miscommunication, but I shouldn't have. Well, hang on. If you brushed it off as a miscommunication, why did that change? Right after we finished, I saw him stop a recording on his phone and he admitted to the fact that he had recorded us having sex without my consent. Well, that uh, I kind of agree with, you know. If he's, re if he's recording you, then that's kind of weird. But, I mean, fingers in the bum during sex, that's kind of like, you know, it's like loosen up, babe. It's going to be okay. <laughs> it's, going, it's only going to feel weird the first time. After that, you'll love it. Trust me. The survivor also stated Patra had admitted to her that she was not the only woman he had secretly recorded while having sex, but it's audio only. 
That's kind of weird too. Like, I mean, if you're going to record somebody, wouldn't you want video evidence as well? Audio only. I mean, you can do that on your own. <laughs> You see communication, not his fault. <laughs> he told her his alleged reasons for recording sexual encounters were to prevent him from being wrongfully accused of sexual misconduct in the wake of the Me Too movement's rise in India. Oh, that's very clever. That's very clever. I like that. <laughs> this guy is actually using the Me Too movement against the Me Too movement. He's saying, no, 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 I have to record it because otherwise you're going to accuse me because of me too, and I'm a big believer in me too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This guy's a fucking genius. In the, <laughs> in the letter, she also voiced her disappointment in Homegrown and in the company's co-founder, current CEO, and Patra's sister, Varsha Patra. What's even more ironic is what Homegrown stands for and what it meant to me personally. Homegrown was a safe space, a space to read about sex positivity and feminism. Oh, we can see where this is going. A place where victims are not slut shamed. This is in India now. Are they are, are they really using language like slut shamed and you know feminism in India? Like the caste the caste system of India is now embracing you know being anti slut shaming. Give me a break. Victim blamed or gaslighted, but our voices are amplified. This is this is straight out of a Western college. And to see Varun being celebrated as a progressive feminist is laughable. To watch his sister, who is well aware of his abusive behaviour, champion him on like he is some beacon of hope for women in India is hilarious. According to the letter, Varsha Patra can contacted the survivor in an attempt to discuss the matter and prevent the situation from going public, the source states. Trying to justify his actions was very unfeminist of you, and using your past life experiences hurdles is no way an excuse for his actions. I don't believe either of you realise how deeply this has affected me and possibly other victims who were too scared to come forward. The whole world apparently, yeah, right? Jesus Christ. Me too in India, ladies and gentlemen. Rolling Stone. I mean, how much... There, there is a lot here. How much do I have to read here? At this point, I can only take responsibility for my hasty decision, and I have apologised immediately and without premeditated thinking because I genuinely believe that is what I need to do better and be better. Okay. Those crazy Indians. Proud Boys founder Gavin McInnes can get back to Antifa after he battles his neighbours. Now we're talking. Going to take a sip here. Gavin McInnes's ongoing fight against his detractors has spilled into his Tony neighborhood. Tony neighborhood? What's a Tony neighborhood? Is anybody here from New York? Can can you tell me what a Tony neighborhood is? Outside New York City, 
and, expl- and a letter he penned obtained exclusively by Huff Post signals that he's losing that battle too. Did did anybody see when he was on with Alex? I thought um, Gavin was like heartfelt and genuine, and he was actually saying like I've given up the will to fight. I can't do this. Like they won, they beat me, and he meant it too. It was heartbreaking. He was this guy trying to say that all he wanted to do was like stand up for, you know, being a male in Western civilization. And he was like, you know, you know what? The communists—they've—they've they've destroyed me. I'm bankrupted. I'm finished. I'm, I'm done. I can't walk down the street anymore. Like, they—they they won. He's and Alex was like, no man, you got to fucking push. You know what Alex is like? He's like, you got to push through that shit. You got to keep going. You, this is the fight. You're ready for this fight. Come on. And he's like, you know, Alex. Sometimes the bad guys win. Sometimes the bad guys win. It was horrifying. McInnes, the founder of the violent, misogynistic street gang known as the Proud Boys, uh, uh, this is the HuffPo, found a safe space, uh, oh God, it's late, safe space in Larchmont, apologies for my poor pronunciation tonight, a quaint upscale village in West Chester County. A beautiful waterside community just north of the big city insulates McInnes's wife and three young children from his daily life. So they're bringing his wife and children into it. That's nice. That's good of you, the Huffington Post. Identify the suburb they live in. Tell him, tell everybody that he's got a wife and three kids. Well done, Huffington Post. Very progressive of you. Do you know that she is a person of colour, by the way? Did you know that? Did you know that? Did you, they don't they don't actually say in the article here that his wife is a I, I'm only using the term person of color because they like using the term person of color. Did you know that his wife is a person of color? By the way, this white supremacist that you hate so much. Did you know that? Of course you didn't. You fucking hacks. As an extremist gang leader who incites violence and espouses hate on any social media platform that'll accept him. You know, one day um, the HuffPo's of the world will be regarded as, you know, the the hate pushers. And I'm not even saying they're pushing hate, but it's whoever's in power at the time will determine who their opponents are as being hateful and themselves as being righteous. And that's why I'm against those kinds of distinctions because I don't want anybody deciding who's hateful and righteous because at some point, even if I'm the person in power at the time, I don't want to be, you know, allowing that power to come back and bite me in the, on the dick later on. McInnes's family is shielded from what the rest of the nation sees on a regular basis. The rampant racism and misogyny, <laughs> the rampant racism and misogyny. He's a happily married man to a brown girl. <laughs> <laughs> That made him famous among chuds online. What's a chud? Do you know? Does anyone know what a chud is? My girlfriend is a person of color, says Sinsoaked, but really dark brown. Uh, so you get like 50% points on that one. The punch happy gang he, stayed, uh, he started that commits violent acts across the country, his associations with white supremacists and skinheads, and conspiracy theorists like Alex Jones, his predilection for playing with himself on camera, the list goes on. In Largemont, McGuinness found an escape from himself, that is, until his community found out who he was. 
Some local residents, I say, because they've outed him in his local community, so now they've turned all of his liberal neighbours against him. Oh, this is beautifully progressive. Who ask that their names not be published for fear of retribution. So they can't have their names published for fear of retribution, but they need to be, uh, they need to engage in acts of retribution against him because his name is published. Isn't that, isn't it just wonderful stuff? Isn't it great the way this stuff works? I think it's fantastic. Western society is sick. It is sick on a lot of levels. Oh, I'm, I'm running out of steam here. I'm running out of steam. Look at all these stories I've still got to go. Jesus. See, this is a problem. We need to do... <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm going to have to make an executive decision. For the last show of the year last year... <clears throat> pardon me. For the last show of the year last year, I didn't do any... For the first show of this year, I'm going to take select. I'm going to select. And then for the next free-for-all, I'm going to do um, I'm going to do the Twitter comments up first. But on the back of sex robots, I do think we need to have a look at this one that General Eaton sent in. A way to grieve. A robot that acts and looks like dead loved ones. Now we're talking. Can I have sex with the robot that looks like a dead loved one? Just curious. Is that still okay or is that weird now? I mean, once we're having sex with robots, is it okay to have sex with a dead loved one? Like, you know, can just say I had an old girlfriend who died of a drug overdose back when I was in high school. Can I get a robot made out of her and have sex with it? I'm not sure. Uh, We're just coming up to five hours But to be fair, um, I don't do this for a living. So I've been up now for over 24 hours because I worked all last night picking up garbage bins. So, you know, if I didn't have a day job, I'd probably have a lot more stamina these days. And I recorded a podcast earlier today as well. So, And then produced James's podcast and put that out. Uh. I'll do the this robot one. is supposed to sound like a loved one. Now imagine the same robot having a 3D printed mask of their face. You will be able to stay with the robot for 49 days, which is the period of mourning after the funeral in Japan. That is the concept of Digital Shaman Project, which uses a humanoid. Users will have an interview with the artist while they're alive. Their physical characteristics and messages will be recorded then. After the Fucking user weird. dies, the bereaved ones will be able to install... I see, see, look, to be honest, I think this is more weird than having sex with a robot you don't know. Do you see my point? I think it's more weird to have a loved one turned into a robot that you can talk to than it is to have sex with a robot you don't know. Do you, do you see what I'm saying here? <laughs> like, I, I don't want to be confronted with a robot version of a human being that I already know. I would much prefer to have sex with an indiscriminate random robot that I've never met before. That's more comfortable for me. But if I have to have daily conversations with a robot that looks like a person that I know that it's now dead, that's a whole new level of weird, man. Do you see what I'm saying here? (laughs) Are you with me or not? (laughs) The program into the robot. 
It mimics the deceased one's personality, speech, and gestures. The robot can imitate hand and head movements the person was making during the interview. Fucking hell! It can even sneeze. Digital Shaman was on display in Tokyo together with its creator Etsuko Ichihara. I mean, I'm sorry to get all Alex Jones here, but another thing that Alex has been talking about for a long time is, you know, the 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 urge of the elites, if you want to call them that, to merge with machines, to become one with machines. Like, look at this shit. Ichihara says she developed the concept after her grandmother's death. Japanese people are weird, man. I love them, don't get me wrong. I reckon Japanese people are cool, but they're also weird. They sell panties in vending machines. As she felt her grandmother becoming more and more distant, Ichihara realized how Buddhist funerals help the bereaved ones accept their loved one's death. The declining number of children and the changing lifestyles of the Japanese are creating alternative ways to mourn. People may be embracing different ways to mourn and to be. Why do we need alternative ways to mourn? Isn't every mourning、um, process different for every individual to begin with, anyway? Like this is not mourning. Like dressing up a robot with somebody who's dead and pretending like they're still alive. That's not mourning. That's denial of mourning. You're not mourning at this point. You're pretending. Like this is this is this is a way to obfuscate the mourning process. The mourning process is accepting the fact that they're gone and they're not coming back. The mourning process is not pretending that a robot is the person that you love and they're still alive. That's it. You know what I mean? Or am I wrong? I, maybe I'm the idiot here. I don't know. Mourned in the future when each home has a robot. After someone dies, the family can spend 49 days with the digital shaman until they are、Fucking、able、weird. to accept their beloved one's passing. Panties in vending machines. Would people be able to accept the idea of spending 49 days with the robots of their loved ones? I think we can reduce trouble. What trouble? What trouble is it? Good. As unreal as it may seem, the artist is planning to sell digital shaman to the public in the future. People may wonder if the creator is planning to allow the deceased to live forever through the program. She's not. I can always. <laughs> I can always trust General Eaton to send the weirdest fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how you found it. How the hell did that even get into your inbox, man? I look for stuff like this and I can't find it. Fuck knows how you found it. All right, Kimmy said, "Look at the lobster." We're going to go to the lobster. All right, see, I have to save. I have to save these and do these next week. Because, but I, I, I feel like an asshole that I'm not going through all of the stories that people send through. I don't want to handpick things. I think that's rude. Unless you've recently awoken from a twenty-year slumber, you're probably pretty aware of all the awesome powers of the cannabis plant. Here we go. I'm listening. 
It can serve as a powerful antidote, a painkiller, a means to curb an addiction, and the plant itself can be used to create hemp. But did you know it is also, it can also help facilitate the harrowing process of killing lobsters before they're served up for dinner? I didn't know it was harrowing. For me, it wasn't. It's never been that harrowing for me as an eater. Look at him. Isn't he cute? There's some wonderful colours there on that lobster, by the way. He's got his little bud there and his claw. Ready to go. Ready for the pot. Pun intended. My kind of lobster. <laughs> A rock lobster. <clears throat> well, most of us didn't. That is until one restaurant decided to find a humane approach to ending the creature's lives. Okay, here we go. Charlotte Grill, the owner of Charlotte's Legendary Lobster Pound in Southwest Harbour, Maine. That's where you go if you want lobsters, isn't it? Lobster. Lobster. Grew tired of the pain scape. Oh, God. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Painstaking process of executing a living, breathing creature. Finally, after having enough, Gill began testing methods that could lessen the trauma on her lobsters, which eventually led to her harnessing the pain-altering effects of cannabis. Interesting. According to a report from a local publication, the Mount Desert Islander, Gill used a lobster affectionately named Roscoe to... <laughs> Roscoe. That's a, that's a good bong name. Uh, yeah, just me and me mate, Roscoe. We're going to go out and have a couple of bongs. Is Roscoe a lobster? Fuck yeah, bro. To test the merits of her hypothesis. According to Gil, Gil? Am I, am I saying it wrong? Gil or is it Jill? She had nothing to lose in her experiment. Why not at least attempt to make things easier for her prey? The author asks. The animal is already going to be killed, she said. It is far more humane to make it a kinder passage. For the experiment, Roscoe was placed in a small box with a few inches of water at the bottom. Gill then blew marijuana smoke into the box from the bottom in order to sedate the lobster. After blowing smoke, Gill removed the bands around Roscoe's claws and returned him to the lobster cage. She kept the bands off for three weeks. Amazingly, Roscoe didn't attack any of the lobsters in the tank. According to Gill, he became much calmer, which had a residual effect on the rest of the lobsters in the tank. They too became tamer. As a thank you for the experiment, Gill released Roscoe back into the ocean. Wow, what a what a service. So he gets one hit of weed and then it's like, okay, fend for yourself. You're not going to find any pot in the ocean, bro. Sorry. You've probably got him hooked now. You know, I just need a couple of buds to bring me down. Her gratitude certainly outweighed the cost of the lobster itself. Before the experiment, Gill, a known animal lover amongst the community, was faced with the double-edged sword of running a lucrative family-owned business while having to effectively end the lives of so many living creatures. That must be tough, actually. <laughs> it's like being a firefighter that, that works at a crematorium. However, after seeing what the cannabis did to Roscoe, it made her life a little easier. Isn't that lovely? From the Green Rush Daily. <clears throat> and, and again, I'm wondering, how the hell did you find this story, Kim? I, I do want to... I, I really wish I could get into all these stories, but I don't think I can. Let's do one from Steph. For Kimmy. Craigslist. 
For $100 an hour, I will come to your party dressed as the elf on the shelf and sit in any location you assign me while I stare emptily at your guests for the duration of the event. (laughs) (laughs) This can't be real. This can't be real. (laughs) This can't be. I I specialize in holiday-themed events. If this is real, this guy's a fucking genius. I specialize in holiday-themed events, either yours or an unexpected friend's. (laughs) Unexpected? Well, they're going (laughs) to... You know what? If you're if you're planning on getting your friend a life sized real life human um, elf to sit on the shelf, I would suggest that you let them know before so they don't spray mace in his face or pump him full of lead with their concealed carry. Like you know what I mean? Like just let's be reasonable here. I don't think any of us want to see elf on the shelf getting pumped full of lead. Do you? A red elf? What the fuck? Yeah, elves should be green. This guy doesn't even know his market. He doesn't even know the costume. My services have been high de- uh, in high demand this season, so I now require at least 48 hours notice in advance of any bookings and appreciate your understanding. Thank you and happy holidays, whatever you want my name to be. Wow. <laughs> there you go, Kimmy. That one was for you. <laughs> He's thinking of you. The rest of these I'm absolutely going to save and do next time because it's not fair. You guys send these things through. I do four and a half hours of waffling on on my own on this live free-for-all. I think I really need to constrict and restrict the free-for-all to like, you know, a couple of hours, baby. I'm not sure. This four or five hour stuff, I don't, I don't think it works. Just, Just quietly, just between you and me. I think it's too much, perhaps. But who am I to say? All right. With that, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Duo Dad, good to see you again. Tracy and AK, Ben K, Veritas, Sandra... Stefan Sears, J-Dubs, Sinso, General Eaton, Kim Boyd, Kimmy Jong-un, Jennifer Briggs, Monica, Ducks Regionist, Word Smiter, Butterfly Wings, Lady Fritzer, most of whom I, I, I'm i sure fell asleep a long ago. <laughs> um, I'll be back on Sunday night with James R. Trust and Verify. Hope to see you then. After that, uh, the Daily Boogie throughout the week, the podcast. If you would like to become a subscriber, please do hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. Just look for The Daily Boogie in iTunes or Podbean. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. And of course, if you'd like to get in touch and you're listening to this, head over to Twitter and get me at boogie bumper. Thanks. I appreciate I appreciate you guys feel like it's a good show. I feel like the the last hour and a half, the two hours, I've really let you down because I'm really tired. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. I we because we came out of the gates so fast, didn't we? I mean we had Don Lemon, we had Van Jones, we had feminists and now capitalists all of a sudden. 
And from that high, I should have saved that shit till the end, I think. You know, that would have been the better way to go about it. I think that would have been perfect. But the main thing is we now know that Don Lemon fully endorses. If you missed the start of the show, please go back and listen to it again. Thanks, Monica. I th- you were going to bed a while ago, Monica. Why are you still here? And Crystal just joined us. <laughs> there you go, Crystal. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Sam. But um, if you missed the start of the show, please go back and watch it again. Don Lemon now fully endorsing the LGBT community, abstaining from bullying people into accepting their worldview. And I, th- and I was so happy for Don. I'm so proud of him. Nothing's ever going to take that away from me. Nothing. So, like I said, uh, Sunday night, I'll see you on Trust and Verify. The starting block, uh, Sin Soaked is very angry at Greeno. You can never let me down as much as Greeno did. <laughs> Sin Soaked's very angry at Greeno. I'll, I'll be sure to let him know. I'll let him know how you feel. The Daily Boogie through the week. And we'll see you next Thursday night. But if you miss all of those other shows that I whore myself out to, until next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.